All right, people, we should be live. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Break the Rules live stream. I am your host, Ooh. Lev Polyakov, with you today with Armand Damalowski. I hope I pronounced that correctly. <laughs> and uh, where's the beef? Well, Bach beef is right over there, right next to us. And we are going to be talking today about right, uh, immigration. Bach beef, where do you stand on legal immigration into the United States? Go. Okay, let's just dip our toes in this a little bit. So, like, first off, I just want, like, I, I seriously want, like, do you, Armand, I mean, do you seriously think that that immigration does not affect wages? I mean, I'll just ask that as broadly as possible so you can do whatever you want with it. Well, so there's a couple of things, right? Like, first of all, immigration, when people think it reduces wages, they think about, like, oh, well, there's a bunch more people trying to do this job, and so those wages will go down. Um, and most of the studies find that if there are a bunch of migrants who come in, specifically in like a sector or so on, the people who also work in that sector of similar jobs do see, like in the short run, a decrease of wages. But what also happens is that those people who come in and work those jobs, like both supply increases of that supply of labor um, but demand also increases because there are new people here who are buying things, consuming things, and so on. And which is why, like, every study on immigration finds that it does not decrease the wages of, like, people throughout the United States. Um, the most immediate effect, actually, is, like, when you have immigrants coming in, is it tends to affect the wages of other immigrants that are already there, sort of in the short run. Um, and in the short run, you tend to see an increase in the wages of um residents who were previously there because they have skilled bandages and that they speak English, they know how to operate in the country. So a classic example of this is like farm workers, when they come in, the folks who were previously like at the lowest totem pole of the farm, who are farm workers now can get promoted to like managing those people because they can communicate in English, they know how to operate in the United States, but they've also been working there. So immigration has a lot of complicated effects on wages, but um, one, because like immigrants are both a increase in supply, but also increase in demand, those effects tend to wash out. And then two, in the long run, because they're complements to existing um, labor, they in turn would increase those wages. Um, there's also like a lot more effects of just like, when you have more people, there's economies of scale. So you end up producing more, that's why countries become more prosperous. They create jobs because they invest in new businesses and they create bigger markets because there's more people buying. Like, um, but in terms of the direct, like, People are often like, I don't get it. Like, obviously, if there's like 10 people trying to do my job, like the boss is going to be able to like outbid me. But they think about only these people as coming in as workers and not also as consumers, right? Like the money you earn doesn't cease to exist. Um, and so like, yeah. Okay. Now <clears throat> there are a, a pile of studies I can put forward, but I mean, if, if someone out there is, if you've ever seen any of these, these internet debates, so uh, someone like Vosh or something like that, like basically there's no point in debate, debating anyone that's like a liberal progressive. Uh, if, if, if you in fact believe that uh, things like social science, these sort of studies are the same thing as sort of a chemistry, uh, a chemistry study that's testing the, uh, the boiling point uh, of, of hydrogen or whatever. And I don't know if you've heard of the, uh, the replication crisis, but, uh, I mean, it's my suspicion that, that social science is basically bunk. This is all, I mean, 
you you just, it's it's funded by certain interests. Obviously, going back to who actually benefits from this, and you know that thing where it's like, well, you know, my lion eyes tell me that if I'm an IT worker and uh, and Unisys or Intel wants to bring in a zillion uh, Indians to do this labor on H1B, my just my lion eyes would tell me that this would be bad. But there's no reason to discount this, especially in the favor of studies, because studies, it doesn't work the same way in this sort of realm of like human happiness or or the or the wages of who. And see, this is the thing of of whom is 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 important, because obviously it wouldn't happen if it was just uh, if it was just bad for everybody. Clearly, you know, there's this old joke that 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 uh, if you listen to right wing influencers, they'll tell you to become a plumber. Now, why do they tell? Well, why does the plumber come up? Well, if you have ever looked at, at a construction site, you will see that all the guys are immigrants except the plumber, because the plumber has to have some kind of certificate licensing that essentially functions as a as a citizen as a citizenship test. You will see this in all the like. If you're a professor, immigration's awesome. No one's going to come on a boat and take your professor job. Uh, especially at the same rates of these other things, and you're just going to get cheaper. You're just going to get cheaper burritos, cheaper labor. And this thing about the short term, I mean, just look at wages in America since 1971. We've all sat around and listened to these boomers tell us, "I drove a cab, I worked construction to get myself through 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 med school. My dad worked at a mill, and uh, and he he got a GTO judge, and there there was no other money going in the family, the, the, a brand new sports car. So uh maybe the short term is a couple hundred years but uh we should just believe our lying eyes when it just comes to the wages now this isn't the extent of things but uh i mean this is crazy i mean why like why do you think these companies seek out these h1bs so a couple things i want to get through so one on the professors it's actually not true like actually professors and phds are some of the highest concentration of um immigrants in the united states like professor jobs are like way more likely than almost any other job in America to be done by people foreign born, particularly like in STEM, right? Like a huge percentage of our PhDs in STEM are issued to, and then the professorships are done by folks from like India, China, Eastern Europe. My, my bad. Um, so I'm, I'm thinking of people in sort of the, the, the typical SJW and they're typically in these English uh, poet, you know, the, these kinds of uh, English sociology type things, which I don't think are nearly like that as the math, hardcore engineering and stuff like this, which obviously I agree that the big joke is if you go to an engineering class at a state university, you won't be able to understand the professor. Well, yeah, putting that aside, like then we talk about like wages, um, you're talking about the electrician, for example, like my dad, who is an immigrant, uh, came from the United States, or came from Eastern Europe, practiced as an electrician for a while, ended up like doing hardwood flooring instead, but like plenty of like high-skilled vocations are often um, done by immigrants. But it actually alludes to the point I was talking about earlier, which is that when you introduce, we're done we're at different levels of immigration, depends on what skill level and what jobs they have. Well, let's uh, let's stick to a high skill level. Let's uh, for this one. Let's just stick to the uh, PhDs, sure. high skill uh, people. We're not talking about like people who do activities that a lot of people in the United States who are out of a job could do. So, well, yeah. that sort of goes. All of this really goes back to whether it's high skill or low skill. Like the 
because one of the ways that they support like existing workers is they make them more productive, which is what raises native wages. Like when you do see the wage declines in the short run, what tends to happen is they happen for people who are or also recent immigrants. So if there's anybody who wants to like keep immigrants out to protect their wages, it's people who just immigrated here. Um, but if you look at the example of like the plumber, right? If there's a lot of like immigrants who are ready to work at like the lowest level of construction, a lot more houses are getting built, which means you have a lot more need for like plumbing. And those people tend to be like in the US for longer, have higher skills and, and so on. Um, going to the whole thing about like studies, like, yeah, I, I totally agree. Like social science, economics and so on, they're not like physics experiments because you can't randomize, right? We do our best to try to do randomization, which is why so much of the immigration debate is about, there's this thing called like the Marielle Boatlift where a ton of like Cuban immigrants very suddenly came into Miami um, because there was like a, a ship issue or something. I don't know the exact story, but it was like a, a natural experiment. So you could sort of see what happened. Um, there's an economist named Borjas who became very famous writing anti-immigration stuff based off of that. And then tons of people have responded to him. And like, even in that example, what you found was the people who suffered some wage declines in the beginning were people, were other Cuban immigrants who just come there um, but this only even in fact lasted for like about a month. Um, and because the people start earning money and sort of buying stuff, right? Like when you think about it, like you see what your lying eyes tell you, you're only seeing the fact that those people are working those jobs. You're not thinking about the fact that they're increasing demand for stuff, right? Like my eyes also see the fact that the guy who's working, you know, from India who got a job at Twitter is like buying consumer goods buying a house, investing in all that, which means that increases the demand for other things in the economy. If this, so like, sorry, if this labor arbitrage didn't exist, why would anybody come over here? I mean, so you, 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 first off, I just have, you, uh, just fully admit that there is this, that this is labor arbitrage, that these companies do this to pay less wages. I mean, it, like, it's just very, it's very, very simple. Like, like, like if you, I mean, the US economy has, He's one of the lowest unemployment rates in the last 50 years. And in the tech sector, it's even lower. And San Francisco is like 1.2% for like until the layoffs started like a couple months ago. It's very hard to fill all these jobs. And like folks have to, um, you know, apply. Like at a certain point, they're just competing against each other to try to poach each other's workers because there's a lot more work that needs to get done than people available. In times of a recession, when like there's really low demand and you don't have people like you have a lot of excess people unemployed, like that's a different story, but that's points to like, we need to increase demand, have a hot economy running so that workers have opportunities not to like shut people out and make us all poorer. Okay. Well, okay. So for let's, let's just, if we're talking about high skill, we sure. can stick, we can stick to the easy stuff, which is H1B. And if we're talking about H1B, we can talk about, the biggest users of H1B, which are all mm -hmm. these giant outsourcing IT firms. If you are an American, which by the way, I mean, let's let's get one thing clear here. So uh, we're talking about this from American perspective, right? Mm -hmm. And the American government should serve, like you know, our our politicians represent the the actual citizens of America. If you're mm -hmm. here, then great. Then you are. Then then you are. Who the, the American government should serve is we would we all agree on that? No. So whatever's best for you, let's so let's say there's a decision and uh, it might not be great for a guy in India, but it's great for an American. 
we should sort of err on the side of Americans. As long as we agree on that, we, we have a sort of a, a basis of how things should be. Now, <clears throat> I think it's the responsibility of every government to like represent its people. Well, I mean, you would think, but that, I don't think that's what we see. Uh, I, I think you, you may notice that uh, you are here with your Christian name. Your face is here. The anti-immigration person, and you will find this is not super rare. Uh, I'm, you know, in, in a bunker somewhere uh, using a, a, a bizarre name. For the same reason, there's no, there's no politicians that represent, that represent this, uh, this anti-immigration view, which, which, by the way, is uh, basically super popular almost any time it's polled. Not that that matters a ton, but uh, there's there's almost no way to to get this represented. Why? Because it's awesome for the the super rich, and because lo- cheap labor is awesome for them. They love paying less money. But the thing about the short term, let's go back to that. It's like, I mean, surely you're aware of the situation in America in like the fifties, sixties, seventies, and then all. Like anti-immigration people often like to say this and they point to a chart that says, look, more immigrants and then look, lower wages. But like, there's a couple of things there. So one, wages decreased across like the rich world period, regardless of what immigration patterns were. So for example, in Europe, like you did not see significant immigration until like late into the 90s, 2000s, but their wages were just as stagnant as the United States. Um, You also saw that like, in already richer Asian countries. So like Japan's wages were sort of stagnating. You saw that in like Singapore, like it's not really correlated to how much immigration there is, but what does predict it really well is one, unions collapsing, like union collapse, the more union concentration decreased, like the more you saw wages decrease and two tax policies changed to favor the super rich. Um, You saw like, you know, under Reagan, massive tax cuts for corporations, for the richest people in the United States. And then when you saw this happen elsewhere around the world, like, then wages also started collapsing because powerful rich people got more power. And what they like doing is like saying, no, 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 it's not my fault. It's the brown guy in IT's fault because they want to keep you and the brown guy in IT fighting instead of pointing the finger at them. You're aware of what Karl Marx said about this, right? So Karl Marx wrote about this living, living in London and he and he said yes. They they what the, the he said the, the rich do point at the the cheap Irish labor coming into uh, coming into England, and they tell them oh the the Irish guy is to blame. But he said but they weren't wrong. I mean I can dig up the exact quote if you want. He said that uh, they're not wrong. I mean the, the whole point of bringing the Irish into England there was to break the unions. By the way, there's a guy from the Cato Institute uh, who's the one of the biggest pro immigration guys, and he constantly loves to talk about how much that immigration served to destroy labor unions. I mean, in the U.S., for example, like in California, labor unions have really strong like immigration populations. Um, it is true that like labor and immigration have been historically at odds a lot of times, but it doesn't have to be true. And I think it's I mean, specifically... Why, you understand why, politics. though, right? I understand why, because it's from a perspective of... Um, I mean, one, it, I think... Propaganda, frankly, it's like trying to pit workers oh, against come on. workers when they're not. There's a supply and demand of labor, just like you keep everything thinking about supply. Like, do you think these people cease to exist? Like, when they have jobs, like, I'm sorry, I think get, it drives me crazy that people like look at a chart and like, look, supply increase, so wages are lower. It's like, yes, but then where do you think all that money goes? Like, they're buying stuff which boosts demand, right? Like, it just drives me a little bit nuts. I'm sorry. Like they're 
the that's how economies grow. It's like by the same rate, you could say like, well, we should have babies because one day that baby is going to have a job and it's going to take your job. We should have the same uh, population. Armand, quick cool question. Jobs is fixed. I have a quick question for you, Armand. What yeah. would you say, if any, is the limitation to that? You know, people ask the question of how many people in the United States immigrating to the United States would be too much. So how much would be too much for yourself? I don't know an exact number because I'm not, you know. Does the number exist? I'm not an issue, but let's what, say, I think the way exists? that you calculate it is to look at like, what is our capacity in terms of infrastructure? What is our capacity in terms of the housing that exists? Although like, I also think like on housing, we need to make it much easier to build housing period. Like it's illegal to build housing vast majority parts of the United States. Um, even in San Francisco, which is a city, like 75% of the city, it is illegal to build multifamily apartments, which is crazy. That said, like, if we just said, like, anybody in the world can come here, obviously lots of folks would want to come and we can't absorb, like, double our population tomorrow. But I do think that the limits are much higher than folks would expect. So, for example, like, Poland, which is a much poorer country than we are, absorbed about 10% of its existing population in Ukrainian refugees. And it was tough for a while, but like Poland's economy is doing great. They built a ton of houses and a lot of people are still there working and becoming Polish. Like it's not a, um, there's, we can do a lot more than we think we can. Like I think we could double our current observation rates, triple them. I don't think we could do everyone in the world, but like we can do a lot more than we currently do. That's, that, that's okay. So do you understand the different, like, why do people not want to come? Why didn't people not want to leave Norway and come to America at the same rate that people like to come from, say, Mexico or other third, uh, third world countries? Like, do you understand because that difference? Part of what I think people miss, and it ties to a lot of time, I have gotten to like a controversy in immigration. Lots of people are like, well, what, you know, like your dad, why did he come from Poland to America? Couldn't he, if you think he's so great, couldn't he do the same great things in Poland? Like, the United States is a great country. We have great institutions. We have set up an infrastructure, culture, and economy that enables people to thrive. So, of course, like, if you come from a really poor country and you have an opportunity to come here, you want to, right? Versus, like, in Norway, like, you already have a lot of opportunities there and your life's going to be fine. So, it's, like, less of a crisis. But you're willing to suffer a lot more and risk a lot more to come from that a poor country that doesn't have a lot of opportunity to come to a, you know, a prosperous one. To go to someone in the audience. So the entire country of Bolivia is dumped off in the United States. Then the United States GDP just rises by the same number of people proportional to the people. Right. I mean, you, you I don't know how that, many people are in Bolivia, but like, I don't think like the U S could absorb, like we're a country of 300 million people, right? If you dumped a hundred million people on us tomorrow, obviously it'd be really damaging because we don't have like the infrastructure, the sewers, the transit. And so, yeah, that would hurt so, if you. So you just like just enough places to put these people. That's not really how, how things work, man. The, the, it's, it's like, it, you've seen the pictures of New York city or, or San Francisco in the thirties and forties. Everybody's yeah. wearing a three-piece suit. There, there, there is no. Well, they were suit. right. You see the pictures of the people in nice three-piece suits, but like you don't see the you know people who frankly look like me, like shoveling shit in the backyard and dying of dysentery. <laughs> like it's like people look at the fifties. They're like, look, planes are so nice. It's like yeah, because only the they only took pictures of the richest people who could fly on those planes and pay you know 
the equivalent of twenty thousand dollars today. I'm sorry, but like, if you think there's the same level of social trust and anarchy and uh, alienation, the kind of things that Robert Putnam wrote about that exist in America today that didn't exist, just flat out didn't exist back then, then then you're crazy. And l- we should go on to, to the, the next level here. So sure. you've, you've completely rejected the economic point. I mean, it seems like you've a little bit, uh, you, you, the things I say, you just say that they're short term, right? Well, no, because I specifically don't think they're, it does not, um, even in the short run, it does not tend to affect like the wages of uh, currently existing residents. If it does, it affects the wages of people who's most closely resemble them. So what you see is like, the wages of immigrants who just come here tend to get like a short-term hit because you have a lot more people who are essentially like them. Um, but even in the short run, like there's not a lot of evidence that it hurts the wages of existing residents in the short run. Well, uh, I mean, I, all I can say is if you're in the audience, you know what your hometown looked like. If it wasn't San Francisco, if it was the average part of America, you know what it looked like in the eighties, nineties, you know what people did for a living and could earn a decent wage at, and they can't anymore. And I know you just a say lot of different things happen. Like it's to just say immigration means that you have to look at places that didn't have a lot of immigration, that experienced the same things, and have to say so why, right? Like Germany well, didn't have significant immigration until um, much more recently, but the wages have been declining for a long time too. Germany is a completely different case for the reasons we'll go into now. So one of the things, so uh, we're talking about. So do you, do you believe in, uh, what do you call it when you make an immigrant like the, the, the native population? Assimilation. Assimilation. Do you think assimilation is a good thing? I think it's great. Okay. So well, my you, family's here. I'm like, let me know. Why? Right. Yeah. And if your family came here in, uh, you know, any time up into the sixties and they didn't come into one of these super like, uh, you know, it's possible to, it was possible to immigrate into like Chinatown or something in the fifties, I presume, and sort of maintain your, um, uh, your serious ethnic identity. Uh, you know, some of these yeah, and before that, like little Italy and so on. Yeah. It took the Italians like three generations and stuff. Um, and, and by the way, this, this, uh, I think something that, that everyone realizes now that this was not, um, didn't just happen like happily. Um, you're a kid. People make fun of you. You have to change your name. Uh, people are racist against you. They, they, there is pressure for you to change and just, and to drop your old culture and become our new culture. This is frankly illegal in the modern day. We, we just do not see this. The left, by the way, the Democrats will just tell you it's, it's right up and wrong, but I mean, it doesn't matter if you want to do this. If you want to tell people you have to be an American now, you, you, sorry, your name isn't, uh, isn't, uh, Balala. You have, you're Bob now and you have to do that. And you have to like that. Uh, this we're, we're just not allowed to do this, frankly, by the civil rights act, which has gone further than, than, than anyone could have believed. I mean, uh, we have now seen us judges tell us that immigrants, that, that people that are immigrants that haven't even arrived yet are protected class compared to an American. So they're, they're afforded special protections that a native born American isn't. So like what? Uh, I can, I can pull up the case, but I mean, they're, you're a protected class and institutions, uh, know what that means. I mean, I will say that plenty of people made fun of my last name my entire life and I, no one's ever been criminally penalized for it. <laughs> like, okay. I mean, yes. you could just lie. Like, you could just lie. Like, Feel free to lie. Act like you have no idea what, what? I'm talking no, about. I, I, 
I think no, no, let's, let's give everybody America, a good... it's like a lot harder to be like racist or like openly racist than it was before, but it is not legal. Um, and it was not like legally enforced that like you can, yeah, I'm trying to get a, like a clear, honestly clear understanding of like what you're specific. Okay. I could, I could give a, I could give an example here. Yeah. So let's say for example, there's a lot of bilingualness happening with uh, English and Spanish and that's throughout the United States. I know that's definitely the case in New York where they offer separate options uh, for uh, Spanish in terms of the doctor or this and that. So the question is, if English was always like the historic language of uh, the United States, would it be too much uh, to ask uh, if people were to integrate by learning the language so that they'd be able to have a much wider open door for them to be able to get jobs, to be able to socialize, instead of having what I think the Founding Fathers were concerned about, which was factionalism, where we would have like one faction of people who would just be doing their own thing and not necessarily united with some common purpose of what it means to be an American. Well, I mean, people have been saying this for a long time, and I don't, and I repeat always that if you actually look at, like, surveys of, like, what happens to the kids and the grandkids of immigrants, um, and overwhelmingly, like, they learn English, they get married, they buy houses, they do all the standard thing, like, that, whatever way you want to measure, like, assimilation, folks do that because you grow up in America, like most of the United States, very few places in the United States are so segregated that you will like be able to like get by an entire life without like speaking English. So it's, actually used to be parts of Chicago, like we were little Poland. And my parents would joke that like there were, that if you'd move as an adult, like you could get by the rest of your life without speaking English and just speak Polish. But like the moment you grow up here and go to schools here, like there's so many advantages to like being able to get a job and go to college and learn English that people do it. Um, part of the reason that like, I actually find it frustrating that people characterize me as like less patriotic is because often the people who I feel like I have more confidence in America than a lot of people who are like anti-immigrant because I like, think American's great. Like, why would I want to just not well, learn English my whole life or like, why what is, what is to, being like, an American about for you personally, Armand, how would you define being an American? I think being an American is believing in the principles of this country, right? Like, which is that, like, the idea of the American dream, that if you work hard, you play by the rules, you're a good citizen, like, you can make it, anybody can make it, that doesn't matter, like, race or creed or class, like, anybody can be part of this country if they can contribute. Um, you know, we broke away from the UK because, like, part, we rejected these notions of, like, kings <laughs> and hereditary power and, like, you know, the the basic principle of like America of like, it's a dream. It's never fully been real, but like we all want to aspire to this notion that like anybody can make it here. Well, this, I mean, work hard enough. so, I mean, this is, that's kind of like totalitarian. You're sort of, uh, America, the, the, the goals of America is, is, is what the Americans, uh, like there, there's, there's not a situation where, uh, the, like huge swaths of the, the actual native, or a citizen population can be out of sync with some kind of weird goals that that exist in the ether. America well, is. I is, think those are the things most Americans believe, and I'm not saying that they exist in the ether. I think that's what. Like, I, I mean, even most, if you look at the polling, like most, you're right when you're talking about like most polls show agree with me on immigration. It's like, um, 
right now, the current polling shows that if the minority of people who want less immigration is larger than minority of people who want more immigration. But if you combine the people who say more or keep it at the same level, it is easily a majority. Um, I mean, I think it's important to talk about the, this this cultural thing. As you see, everyone in the comments is sort of relating their experiences. Is this is, this, is uh, assimilation doesn't happen anymore, and by and, and specifically, assimilation is racist. It is racist. It must be. It must be uh, offensive. You are you, you. It's not just a um, hey. Well, you want you if at some point you want to. You want to be different than you then you should be because by the way uh it is a bad idea to assimilate i mean if you're listening to this and you uh you're in america and you're sort of thinking about well should i just become part of assimilate well no you shouldn't specifically uh and i think this is uh pretty obvious i don't like i mean if you can't agree to this i would i would uh i'm no problem with that because you uh are not anonymous but uh I could show many specific examples of, um, we'll just say, we'll go into the past times. Have you ever heard of, uh, we'll say American politics. We'll just go specifically cities, maybe like Chicago, mm -hmm. New York city, that the political system is driven by racial patronage systems. In other words, there's a guy, he sort of doles out, he sort of doles out the, the gifts and, and patronage to, the, the the Indian group and this one does the Polish group. Have you ever heard of this sort this sort of thing? Or like the Al Sharptons? Sure. I, I mean, I, I, like urban politics in general in the United States has a long history of like urban patronage machines. Yeah. Um, I would say that that is no longer as for a lot of reasons of like Come civil on. service reforms and so on like that. It doesn't really happen as explicitly. There's definitely like coalitions who try to elect certain people. No, Armand. Like, I mean, there's um, definitely stuff like La Raza, for instance. If we're talking about the uh, Mexicans, like there are these organizations out there that openly tout pride in being part of this in group and wanting as much advantages for that in group as possible. And I no, don't really think that that's an American. Armand's right. Is what, what they did was they they stopped white people from doing. You're talking about the Boss Tweeds and stuff. They had they had essentially these these white groups, and that's that's what's gone. But you can't look at say a, a city like Minneapolis or I mean I could just show you people that that like I there's a specific woman I always reference. She's part of the Bernie campaign. Her 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 profile on Twitter says my job is to galvanize the Arab mm -hmm. vote in New York City. So she 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 goes to the politicians and then she. And then she's sort of the representative to the Arabs in New York City. Well, this is this is, by the way, a more effective way of doing politics than just saying, "Well, I believe in Republican things" or "I believe in Democrat things." This is this is actually more effective. They know that, and this is this is an advantage that these populations have over the native population, or in fact, uh, someone who's who's just been assimilated. I mean, they they they're not able to participate in these things, and it's it's just more powerful than regular politics. I feel like you're kind of what is, politics has always been like a question of like interest groups, right? And interest groups divide themselves around different ways. Recent immigrants or members of specific ethnic groups often have like common interests and they try to organize for it or people try to organize them. Um, Interpretations of the Civil it, Rights Act have made it so that they, they, these groups have given, been given an advantage of this game that uh, us normal or normal citizens can't do. I mean, if they're citizens, they're just as much citizen as you or I. But like at the same time, there's also like I'm, for example, like I'm a member of like poor housing groups, and we organize our own UB causes and organize around them. There's also people who are like, organ. I mean, 
I'm Polish American. Like there's like Polish American groups that specifically focus on like helping with like visa issues and like there's groups that you know politics organizing groups together to advocate for certain things. Um, it's true that there's no longer a like white American interest group because we are such a large group that nobody can really singularly represent our interests and voices. Um, and also like identities also depends on how you think of it. I don't really like feel like I have, um, I know I identify as American. And so I vote based off of that. Um, but when I think about uh, my individual identity group, like it's not illegal for there to be a group that is like, white Americans organizing for like white American interests. I just don't think this groups could agree on a lot. <laughs> like, uh, you know, really represent a singular that's just not true. I mean, this is the kind of thing. Okay. So uh, if you've looked at civil rights law since, because mm. the civil rights act, just, it, just what it says is, Oh, well people, basically you can't be fit fired for frivolous reason for, for an identity thing. So you're, you do a good job. You're a black guy. You're a Polish guy. You're an immigrant guy. Well, you can't be fired. Well, that there's hardly anybody that says that that's a bad thing. But then you go a couple of years, you start getting these things like disparate impact. They give it teeth. And if you think that sort of being white is, is the equivalent to being black or 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 any of these things that basically whatever the Democrat, whatever the Republican uh, identity thing is, it's never you're never able to uh, uh, use this this sort of I, I like obviously white people are discriminated against. In, in hiring in, in colleges. Of course, Asian people are too. This doesn't, the, the, the courts have told us this is just not equivalent. It's just not, a, the, 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 it doesn't, it's not the same thing. It's functionally illegal to have these groups. The reason that like civil rights law has, I think what you're trying to get at some of the protected classes and why some classes are protected and some are not. So one is like, it would be illegal if like, actually San Francisco recently like, as is typical, shoved his own foot up his ass um, and said that they were not going to rehire an election director because they wanted to promote diversity. And when asked, like, why he wasn't considered a diverse candidate, they said he was a white man. They backed off very quickly because they realized, like, even though these laws that are intended, you know, to for protected classes in general, it also is not legal to explicitly discriminate, be like, I am firing you because you're white. That said, um, there are certain like things like with gender, racial minority groups, and, like sexuality, which have protections that exist. And part of that is a reflection of the reality that like this is a country where overwhelming concentration of wealth and power still grows more when people look like me than people who don't. Like I've, every single president we've ever had except one has been white and a man, like in terms of income, in terms of wealth, in terms of every other advantage you could measure, like you're overwhelmingly the advantaged like group of people. And so it makes sense to have like legal sensitivities or like try to be more careful on ensuring protections for groups that have less power. That no, I mean, so the, what you'll find is that all these things are, this is just, uh, these are just di groups that are, that are patron clients of their, their clients of the Democrat party. The reason why, we have to, you'll find like, well, we have to look out for transgender or single women or, or all these, these ethnic, these, these are just people that the, the, the rank that they, that you can look at how much that their, their civil rights are being unserved. is just the, the percentage that they vote Democrat. And I mean, if you ask, you, you must not you, you, like 
if you go to England, yes, there's a lot of there's a lot of English men that have been king, obviously. That, that and to go in there and to start saying, well, we'll just um, we'll just put our, our finger on the scale for other groups coming in is 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 crazy. It's wrong and it's unfair to the people that live there. And I don't. Yeah, I don't think of it as putting the finger on the scale. Civil rights law doesn't specifically say like you get bonus points for hiring like a black person. It just says if you have a pattern of like not hiring black people to look at them. You should. Closely. You should look even up racial impact. You should look up disparate impact. That is a that is considered a like can be suggestive of a pattern of discrimination, and so you can't. It's not in of itself enough. Disparate to, impact. You know, this is something that like uh, there's no Republican that is nowhere there's anywhere near cynical enough to even talk about these things. So if, we, if you listen to an average Republican, if you listen to a uh, a Ben Shapiro, he'll tell you what we need to do is go back to looking at people as individuals, not as white or black or as man or woman, gay or straight, but as individuals. This has been illegal since 1968. Disparate impact says that no intent is needed. No intent is needed. If you if if uh, you start if if a policing pattern rests more white guys for, for uh, I mean, this, of course, it would never be enforced this way, but uh, more white guys are cooking meth than uh, Indian guys. Well, that this, this would be a disparate impact situation. And this has been used, this has been used for in, insane things. And the left is sort of figure out more and more things they can use for. And this is available to the immigrant. And this is not so available like, to us. Disparate impact specifically talks about like, that that can be used as proof of a pattern of discrimination. And so you don't need explicit somebody saying, aha, I am discriminating and curling their mustache. Um, but there needs to also be practices that you were doing that they can point to and say, this is calling this disparate impact. It can't just be like, like, for example, the majority of tech companies are almost entirely like white, Asian, um, white and Asian, frankly. And, but like Google and Apple, you can't sue them for saying, you don't hire enough black people. But if you could find, wow, you're interviewing a bunch of black people and like a really high percentage of them are getting rejected consistently and there's this practice, like it's more complex than that. Um, okay, well, disparate impact specifically is, has, does not require showing of intent. Disparate, I know, I'm, that's what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is that no disparate Republican impact requires, it doesn't require explicit intent of racism any or intent. discrimination. What it does require is like some sort of practices that are causing it um it can't just be like the impact it was like not equally racial and so therefore you're obviously like violating this um and there has to be a like well and there's this thing that you were doing or way that you're hiring that was causing this disparate impact you need to correct it well, one example what if you're talking about uh, hire not hiring people who came from i don't know a uh, single mother situation where uh, she was on drugs and you were involved in gang activity. You you'd already I mean, be, it's you wouldn't even get to disparate to impact there. Sorry, I would say you wouldn't even get to disparate impact there. You would already be explicitly uh, you would already be explicitly discriminating in that. But see, that doesn't I mean, make any, like, that doesn't make any sense from the perspective of what it means to be like a uh, non-discriminating American based on merit here. Because if somebody did come from a situation where they were exposed to a lot of bad elements, regardless of the color of their skin, when you didn't have a dad around, when you hung around with the wrong people, when you picked up a lot of bad things through your life, that's going to reflect, for the most part, I think, on how you end up acting, unless you're extremely lucky, unless you end up meeting some mentor somewhere down the line 
line or figuring our way out of that situation. For the most part, though, if that's the situation, I don't think that that's the kind of person who should work, I don't know, like around kids, around some kind of situation where they're going to have a lot of responsibility if throughout their entire life they did not prove themselves as being able to take that responsibility on. You could say through no fault of their own, that's just the way that they were born. But at a certain point, I think it is important to make a distinction between whether we're talking about the color of your skin versus the culture that you came from and the way that you act because of the culture that you came from. Culture, I think, is very different from race because you could have people from any part of the world that can assimilate, that can reach the same potential as anybody else. But if you're not from that culture, then it's going to be very difficult. I'm a little lost here, Frank, right now, like with the question. Okay, let me, let me give some examples. So, um, <clears throat> which, and the larger point here is all this stuff, all this ways that we need to uh, specifically approach these people, going back to the original debate of immigration, is that uh, none of this, ex if, if, the immig if immigrants aren't in the situation, if they aren't in the, then none of this matters. Then we could just, we could say anything we want. I, we, could, we could call each other slurs. No problem. The, the universities could just pick uh, whoever whoever achieved the most to, to go to Harvard. That would, or whatever. But now we've entered the realm of civil rights. I mean, you got that funny look on your arm. I don't know why. I mean. Well, I'm, there's just like, I'm, I'm trying to think because it's, I feel like we're jumping Okay, well, okay, let me like go to specific examples. And then civil, and like affirmative action at colleges and like, Specific colleges are like a different question for us too, because the nature of like elite colleges are a fixed quantity. Sure. Right. Like there's only so many slots at Harvard, but like jobs and society as a whole don't work that way. Well, I mean that's that's part of the, the disagreement. I mean, uh, but we'll we'll go fine for Harvard. Uh, it's still disputed whether of construction jobs. But okay, here's an example. <clears throat> the federal law that criminalizes illegal reentry into the United States is unconstitutional because it is racist against Latin inks. Uh, illegal illegal aliens, a federal judge ruled on Wednesday. Judge Miranda Du ruled in favor of previously deported illegal alien from Mexico, Gustavo Lopez, who filed a motion to dismiss the indictment against him. Uh, specifically, let's see, uh, disparate impact was brought up because uh, immigration law has a disparate impact on certain groups. Obviously, of course it does. Of course it does. And these groups, in fact, include things, um, these things like race and 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 national origin, which, again, this is just un, unfair to un, unfair to the, the the native population. Well, specifically, what she says is the government fails to show that Section thirteen twenty six would have been enacted absent racial animus. So I haven't read this case in particular, but the judge's argument can't just be like, "Oh, it's because immigrants are Latino and therefore this policy is bad." The argument is this policy is enacted specifically to target Latino immigrants. Um, and like going back to like the DOJ's like criteria for how you can prove disparate impacts, like if there's a three-part test, like one is like, can you show that there is a disparate impact, but it doesn't stop there. Two, you have to say, can you establish a legitimate justification for the policy or practice? So Hooters is a great example, right? Like, yes, it is a disparate impact, but like guys like me who are one guys and don't have beautiful Sorry, that's, yeah, sure. I, I could not get hired at Hooters, um, but they can justify and say like, well, we offer a service for people by 
for a specific thing, and you can't prove there's a less discriminatory alternative. You don't see how this is insane. I mean, this is like saying like a the anti mafia task force is anti Italian. Well, yeah, it of course it is. I mean, so if you're if if you have immigration laws, of course it's going to more disparately impact people that are not well, American. No, you're, you're missing what I'm saying is that there's three parts. You only talk about the first part, which is disproportionate impact. But in order to prove, like, just to get a finding of disproportionate impact, you have to prove, like, there's three parts of it. Like, one, the disparate impact. Two, can the policy be justified on non-discriminatory grounds? And you could say, yes, if we can justify this policy on non-discriminatory grounds because the mafia is bad and, you know, they commit crimes. And then three, is there a non-discriminatory one? So if you created only a task force that said we were only prosecuting the mafia, but we're not going to prosecute like Latino gangs or black gangs, then you could argue this is discriminatory against Italians. Um, Which none of this would have to come up. I mean, so by the way, do you, I mean, I don't know if you, if you see what we're talking about here is that there are. You're uh, arguing that like disparate impact because it says that you don't have to prove racist intent. Um, it can be unfair because as long as there's like a disparate impact you can say you are racist and therefore the law will give you special protections i'm arguing that that's not actually true that you actually have to prove a lot more things than just the disparate impact on it you have to prove that like that this basically the burden is to prove that like you could not have done this another way or that like you're treating groups fairly or so on i don't know why you would think politics would work like that i mean it, it, well, we were talking about the specific of the civil rights law, and like I'm telling you, that's like how the civil rights law is at least interpreted by the courts. If you're trying to argue, like, no, that's not actually what's happening, like we can have well, I mean, a debate, but like, well, well this, this clearly this example is is uh, I think a good example of this is that's crazy to to say that. But, I heard but, argument specifically was like again, I don't know the exact nature of the case, but she's citing the way that the statute was written and the history and the context around it, and saying. It was explicitly done with like a racist intent. I don't know if that's true, but she's arguing that it would not have been acted absent like racist well, intent. But so of the course, argument isn't just like by definition, um, like targeting illegal immigrants is racist. But but of course it. I mean, so it, of course it, it is. And like okay, so uh, you've heard of so Lebanon. Lebanon is a country where the politics is dominated by uh, the, the Christians versus the the Muslims. And yes, the, the Christians are team blue and the Muslims are, are team red. And these people understand well, team green, but okay. <laughs> green. These people understand themselves as different from each other. Of course they're, they're racist against each other. Of course they're competing against each other. And that's what we're creating here. Well, and the more sucks. Like that's why America's great. That's what we're creating here. That's what we're creating here. I think we have to look out for, like discrimination and to try to make sure that that doesn't happen and counter it. That doesn't mean you are like saying that, like we're going to act to prevent groups from being treated unfairly is inherently unfair because acknowledges that groups exist is kind of silly. Like, well, Armand, do you believe that we should or should not discriminate based on certain cultural things? And by that, I don't mean food. I mean, the way that, let's say, somebody would raise their children or the way that they would act if it was very different from the way that Americans usually act. It depends on what you mean. Like, I don't think somebody should not be able to get a job because they, like, you know, have their kid. Like, 
believe that their kids should pray five times a day or whatever. But if it, but if it's something that affects like how they work. So for example, if you are in a profession where you work with a lot of women and you come from a very traditional culture and are like really like against women, like that could be an argument. It also still depends on that person. Just because I come from that culture doesn't mean I practice it in that way. Or about like, let's say a culture where it's a lot more common for little kids to get beat up by their parents. For, for example, you know, like they're coming from a favela somewhere, a bad neighborhood, and something like that gets passed down from one generation to another. And to like the average suburban American, that does not seem right. Yet this is like a hard life that uh, a lot of people throughout the entire world have been living in. And so the question is like, at what point do you kind of say, okay, we're going to stop this. We're going to make sure that whoever's coming in is going to rear their kids in terms of, you know, like the uh, less violent, less uh, rugged way. So I don't know, like that is one argument that I would have against uh, having all of these different ways that kids could be raised all in one place because you just have a big culture clash. But I don't know, uh, Bog Beef, what do you think? So it's just it's just foolish to think that you're going to have all these... Um, uh, when, when, you, when, the, when Lebanon brings in all the Muslims. Now, the government turns into a, a different kind of thing. Now you just have these two sort of pseudo-governments running within... If people cannot be assimilated, now we're just running alternative governments, which is obvious. If you go to New York City, uh, classically, I mean, where, what did the mob start as? The mob started as essentially an alternative government. You pay taxes. I'm going to come by here. I'm the big... I'm, I'm the monopoly on force. You're, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna pay me protection money. And, and I'll make sure you, this is, this is just what we're creating. This has become this, this bizarre, like the United States or any entity, San Francisco, uh, uh, Cleveland, Ohio becomes this sort of like bizarre federation of, of planets that, that cannot have any opinion on, on what behavior should be. Should you, should you beat your wife? Should, uh, should be, you be able to pass on a hiring candidate because of a face tattoo? Because, well, what they could be any kind of culture and and we cannot have a culture because we have to have uh, a, a we have to have an ability for employers to buy the cheapest labor possible that's what it really comes down to no it doesn't it comes down to like first of all all the things that we talked about that are bad we pass laws against them and we enforce those laws like that is what the role of the state the role of the state isn't like we define when we think things are bad enough that the law, they shouldn't be done or like we have laws for that. Like, um, you, I don't care if your culture says you can beat your kids. It's illegal in the U.S. to beat your kids, and we stop it. Like, it doesn't matter. What POV? Um, the, it, the person you're telling to not beat his kids, they have a POV. Perhaps comes from a holy book or something. But you're representing a P, a non POV of just like a, I don't know, like a, a, a UN referee or something. Like, how would you have no. a POV? I represent the POV of the United States. Those are our laws. When people come to the United States, they have to obey our laws. And if they don't, like, you don't become a... Like, my parents were citizens, like, by the time I could really remember. But I remember helping my grandma become a citizen. And, like, she was so diligent to, like, not get a speeding ticket, to, like, always pay her taxes on time. And, like, and I know folks who were undocumented for a very long time who still pay their taxes, like, voluntarily because they're hoping that when the law changes, they can be like, look, I been a good citizen, acted as a good citizen for this whole time. I'd like to become a citizen. Like, I've never argued, and I don't think a lot of pro-immigration people argue that, like, 
you should be able to come here and not have to abide by any rules. We just think that, frankly, people do want to. Um, if you look at like true rates of, for example, like committing crimes between immigrants and natives, if you compare by like similar income and education levels, like it's no comparison. Like immigrants are far less likely to commit those crimes. Not because they're better people, it's just they're a lot more afraid of the consequences of it because they could mean they get kicked out of the country. But, but there is another factor here that I think we're not paying attention to, which is the kind of things that go on behind uh, closed doors. So if we're talking about like an open society, like, uh, for example, I don't know, Sweden or Norway or whatever, high trust society, if you will. But then if we're talking about closed societies, low trust societies, like, for example, China is one example. And, uh, you know, certain Latin American countries, we're talking about societies where the clan, meaning not just like, you know, a certain uh, nationality, but specific clans of people, they would just do their own thing together and they wouldn't let anybody breach whatever the hell goes on. It's going to be completely closed off to whichever intervention people try to make in there, and it's understandable. You know, like you're so not going to trust anybody. You would see things in America. It's... An expression of that in America would be things like ethnic nepotism. Yes. Sure. No, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, do, do we do we believe that ethnic nepotism exists? I sure. It definitely happens. Um, I do think it's also true that, like, I don't know. It's having grown up amongst immigrants, like parents are immigrants. I know a lot of immigrant communities. Like, it is very funny because the biggest complaint consistently from parents and grandparents is the kids these days, like, they don't want to, like, go to the mosque or go to Polish church as much. Like, they don't even... I'm one of the few people, actually, amongst, like, my Polish friends who grew up who still speaks fluent Polish. Um, because most of them, like, they don't want... Like, if anything, that's, like... Assimilation is very powerful because America's great and people want to be American. Well, they're becoming um, consumers, the aren't they? Dividing into these enclaves is a little silly because like, if anything, families try to really hard to like keep their kids from losing that culture and they, they go run away because they, so many things that this country has. No, but what are you being assimilated? Okay. Yeah, I, sorry, go ahead, Lev. You're saying the same thing I was going to say. All right. Uh, I was going to say that uh, when we're talking about the assimilation process, Armand, what you're talking about is the other side of the horseshoe here, where one side is having people be completely entrenched into these uh, enclaves, but the other side is people being free to do whatever the hell they want, which usually is going to be to become a uh, consumer. I'm going to consume. So the reason why I'm bringing this up is I believe in civilization. But civilization to me is not just this thing that you can freeze and keep in place forever and ever. What civilization to me at least is, and it's going to sound a little bit esoteric, but I think that there is a process that civilizations go through wherein their people are not just educated, but they're given like a certain amount of wisdom to kind of see things from outside their perspective. I think this is one of the reasons, by the way, why the West was the first, you could say, civilization to start freeing the slaves, to start giving people more freedom, because they were able to see from the outside what exactly they're doing. So in a way, it's like consciousness is being raised within the civilization when you're able to kind of step outside your own shoes. Now, obviously, from there, a lot of problems can arise, too, which uh, Bogbeef may uh, talk about if you want. But the reason why I'm saying all this, Herman, is that that, that uh, quality of raising up one's consciousness, it's not just a blank slate. It doesn't come from nowhere. It comes from various traditions that were passed on from ancient Greece 
ancient Egypt, some might say, onwards, as far as the mystery schools, as far as the philosophers. And all these things were ingrained in the university system. These were things that gentlemen had to learn in order to understand what exactly it means to be a human being, and then kind of pass that quality on to other people and the ways that they dress and the ways that they act. So people had like a certain goal in mind to strive towards, not just empty consumerism. So I don't know, that was a mouthful, and everybody subscribe right now, but uh, Bogbeef, would you agree with my statement or no? Well, yeah, I mean, I think what you're going at is, you know, what, what actually are you, what actually even would you uh, be uh, assimilating into? Like, uh, there's no responsibility, of course. I mean, you just, what do you get, listen to rap music or something? I mean, uh, it's not like you're going, it's not like you're going to be drafted. Uh, it, it's not like you're going to be, uh, you're, you're not going, you're not going to go to church unless you've, uh, uh, you might go, you might get into the Democrat Party and start going to a Unitarian or, or church or something like that. But uh, basically, I mean, you know, what are we talking about? I mean, the, America has become a casino. It has no, it has all these things are gone. The, and honestly, people would be stupid to like you shouldn't assimilate. Like you, you're not going to assimilate in, into anything. It, look at the look at the uh, the, uh, the I guarantee you that the all the, these churches and these cultures, these things are are in bad shape because of all this immigration. Because it's it sort of ruined any kind of native culture or immigration too fast does not allow people to assimilate. And what we get is we get lots of people like you who are like, well, I'm just like an American. Of course. And you, because you you came here a long time ago, you you didn't come here from a third world country. or And things are different now. There's just too many too fast. We can look at places with Sweden. I mean, Sweden is just... Sweden is, is taken in like, what, 25% of their population has gone in. And... It seems like I I don't know like there's no way to get there's no real way to get guys like you to believe in the whole wages thing right I mean like it, honestly you like the more people we write in is just the, the the richer that that all the all the little Americans get in your mind right like there's a lot of things that were said there so let's just try yes. first of all I was born here um, second of all like my family came from Poland and. Um, the 1980s when Poland was very much a third world country. Um, parents fled into a refugee camp, like came, you know, came to the U.S. And the funny thing is actually that uh, I'm, you know, I'm a progressive Democrat. My parents sure. are super hardcore Republicans. Uh, my dad actually in the refugee camp when they asked him like, "Where do you want to go in America?" and the he apparently got a big like the guy was known as the biggest hard ass, so like didn't want to let anybody in. And he's like, you're going to go to Chicago, right? All Polish people go there. And my dad's like, no, I want to go to California because Reagan was governor there. <laughs> <laughs> now, Eastern Europe um, loved Reagan, by the way, like all those former uh, Soviet places uh, for, to uh, to them. Like he was a big guy. But uh, regarding I my... I think America is a casino, just to like yeah. bring that part. Like part of what makes it hard to debate folks like you is like how you define what assimilation means. Um, feels like it's all over the place. And... Then you're like, well, is it church? But like when it comes to church, like immigrants are more religious than Americans. They tend to be and like, is it having kids in a family? Well, immigrants tend to have bigger families than Americans well, do. Like, is it like immigrants? It's church, but it's not. But it's not Santa Muerte. What it would mean for me to assimilate if I moved to Israel? Well, I think it's part of it is like the U.S. Even you know, like Sweden, or you talk about Israel, like. You would you would understand. My came here. America has like is very different, right? We're not an ethnic. It wasn't nation. different. We're, 
It wasn't different. It wasn't different. Israel's actually. Israel's actually not a great example just because there's ways that a lot of the Russian immigrants especially are able to just screw around by doing like a song and dance about how Jewish they are and then go in there and put on a bikini. You know, but, you like would, it's not, but you would know yeah. what song it is. I mean, you wouldn't like there, there, there is because America has so much immigration. America was not that diverse for a long time. It was mostly English, mostly English people, d- depending on what part of England was, which part of the United States they were from. These places had genuine cultures that, that have all been gone because of mass, mass immigration. Which, by the way, the thing well, about... The United I States was, in 1890 had 15% of its population foreign-born. It currently has around 14%. Like, we've actually lower than it was for a like, huge chunk Okay, of th- this, this is meaningless. Like, like the thing where you said, well, I'm born here, so I'm exactly what? as American as anyone else. Well, you may know that that is a very unique situation to the United States. This is one of the reasons yeah, why that's when, America's great. <laughs> you may think that, but as we were talking, you said, uh, Lev said, let's just talk about legal immigrant, just legal immigration, which, by the way, there's essentially no difference in America because of a amnesties. But we'll set that aside for right now, which even Ronald Reagan famously big amnesty. There's always an amnesty every which well, if you can't get to an amnesty, just get to a uh, uh, get to one of these cities that, that will not talk to ICE. You'll be fine. Essentially, we that you will be legal. That will be legal immigration. But number two is that we have we have uh, birthright citizenship. Very few people do this. So this is this makes it so you can't just uh, you know places like Germany could be hey we'll just come over here and, and work construction for a little while. It'll be fine. Then you go back. You can take all this money back to Turkey or whatever. You can buy you a big house. We we can't have that because if you're here uh, and you have a uterus, uh, you are. I mean, you are potentially. Uh, you are part of America, potentially. You, you understand what I'm saying? Just, I don't get why the idea that, like, going, it is better if somebody comes to a country, saves up a bunch of money they earn, and takes it away somewhere else, rather than they come here, they learn the language, they become citizens, they invest in the country, they have families here, and the country becomes more prosperous. Like, you're literally saying, like, we'd rather have tourists than have people who become our countrymen okay you you run you run a you run a business would you rather have someone come into your business uh leave leave some money maybe take a service and then walk out or would you rather someone move in and say oh well maybe i'm just gonna i'm just gonna live here i'm, I'm just gonna hang out here forever i mean be now like these are our customers they're people who are like it's more analogous to like what i'm hiring these people or not if they're joining my business like i don't but, works there. but but they're not here. They're not here. Why don't you? Why wouldn't you hire an American instead? I would ha- like. Well, again, we have a historically low unemployment rates, um, and like, there's a lot of jobs that we can't specifically fill. And also, when people come that, here, that's they bullshit. end up spending money. And no, I mean it is true. Like we have, if you're talking to me in like 2008, 2010, or whatever, like the argument would be very different around like jobs because there's huge demand crisis now we're in a supply shortage um and there's like a lot more jobs i mean if you run any business like when you're the most difficult things right now is hiring people do um, i need a graph of it, wages since 1971 you know what it looks like again like if you look at countries that haven't had big waves of immigration they also had stagnated wages there is no global correlation between like immigration and wage stagnation where there is a really strong correlation is union density and policies that favor the rich well i i don't believe this i don't believe this and i mean look i would recommend for example as a french economist named thomas piketty 
Picadine 21st century is like an incredibly dense text with like tons and tons of data. And he like breaks down every potential cause of like inequality over the last hundred years. And that includes like immigration. You, um, you can invest in, in productivity. You see, the thing is like, there's no like- You should do both. America can never, so like imagine that we create a surplus of say productivity or way or, or just quality of life. I don't know how you would how you would qualify that. You certainly certainly couldn't in a scientific paper. But uh, let's say America just had like uh, half of America was a national. Well, anyways, we we create any kind of surplus. Well, we have open borders, so no no amount any amount of sur- like the one percent America gets becomes a better place to live than Mexico or or Poland or New Zealand. Well, a plane ticket's uh, you can buy a plane ticket for one hundred fifty bucks. Just come here. Just come here. It'll be fine. You'll have an army. We don't have open borders. So like immigration levels are actually some of the lowest they've been in quite a while. And two, because of policies that were enacted and continued by Trump and enacted, continued by the uh, Biden administration. But like, also, like I said, the foreign born population is lower now than it was for huge chunks of our history, like all the 1800s, for example. Um, so it's not true that anybody can just like get it to, I mean, it's really hard to immigrate to the United States for a lot of folks. Like in India, for example, like the applications, if you don't win like the H1B lottery, the application for a green card or any sort of things like can be over a hundred years. Like uh, the idea that we have open borders is not true. And just the idea that the surplus thing too, like gets to me a little bit, cause it's not like, oh, we have this extra money and then somebody's coming here and like grabbing. It's like the person who comes here works a job and then they spend that money here which gets more demand for things and so they're like by by the way here are the statistics so um overall border crossings by uh uh, illegal immigrants dipped slightly over the summer of 22 down from may 22's historic high of more than 240,000 migrant encounters in a single month in december of 22 251,487 encounters which is up seven percent since november 22 most of these encounters are in texas where the el paso sector reported 159,000 encounters and del rio sector had 136 7,000. And this is data from last year. And what's also interesting is that with the terror watch list border encounters in 2018, it was six, 2019, it was zero, 2020, it was three, 21, it was 15, 22, it was 98, and 23, so far, it's 38 encounters of the uh, terror watch list. So uh, that's, uh, those aren't great numbers, but again, I want to make sure we're sticking more to the legal as opposed to the uh, illegal if we're talking about uh, you know, border right now that kind of throws, throws it that direction. But I want to go back to the question of telos, teleology, the question of what is the, what is the final purpose for the people who declare themselves to be American. And Bogby, if you were mentioning before culture, that there was a specific culture that people had to integrate to, I would just use the word civilization instead of culture if we're talking about, like, again, I don't want to get into the rigmarole of mystery schools and all that, but when you were an immigrant coming from Italy or Ireland or wherever, or um, Russia, like a lot of the Jewish diaspora back in the 1800s, you aspire to that top of the pyramid. You aspire to something that you saw was like high class, you know, good moral judgments, whatever, you know, pillar of the community type stuff. And I think that that is something that was kind of enforced on you 
from the common culture. Now, I don't feel like there is as much of an emphasis on that because of moral relativism. It doesn't mean that people are going out and murdering everybody in the streets, obviously. But what it means, I think, is like to what you said earlier, Armand, like what exactly are people striving to? Well, make money, have a better life. But what exactly qualifies a better life? What are the kind of values that you're passing on to your kids? To me, that is way more important. And if we're talking about churches, for example, sure, there's a lot of different cultures that have uh, their own churches. You could say that the um, North Sentinelese that uh, killed the missionary uh, when he was trying to get there, you could say that they are very faithful to whatever tribal religion they subscribe to and they're probably going to be way 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 more faithful than a lot of people here in the u.s same thing with the taliban they're probably going to be way more faithful to their religion but to me that's not civilization so that's what i'm trying to figure out here like what can we do to make sure that whoever comes here is going to assimilate not just in terms of you know just making money and just doing the whole capitalism thing but actually striving towards some kind of a telos I, I mean, yeah, it's hard to argue around those things when it's not very cleanly defined, because I think that there is like good relativism in the sense that like, I don't think, you know, I am going to go to a different church than maybe my Muslim neighbor goes to, but I don't think that matters. I think it's fine that they practice a different religion. I think it's, if anything, it's cool that like, People can bring different perspectives. I find it interesting. Well, I would make an exception with Islam. I would make an exception with Islam to any of this discussion just because of the fact that within their religion it is expansionist. Like there is an actual like master plan that if we're going to have to have more Muslims and eventually we're going to take over the area that we're in because that is the way that uh, we have to expand in order to make the entire world a caliphate. That is specifically within the religion. So it's kind of a dangerous thing to have people who believe in that as opposed to, for example, I don't know, like, Jewish people, for example, they never proselytize, except if we're talking about like the uh, Hasidic, the Lubavitchers, who love to uh, go to me and others and say like, oh, did you do like the whole, you know, swirling thing around the arm? But in general, Jews don't proselytize. Christians, they proselytize, but they're not really that dead set on conquering the entire world. Not today, at least, like they were back I mean, in the uh, back in the Crusader for, days, you know? I was going to say for quite some time, yes. And I for would quite say, some time, for quite I, some time. In my life, the two religious groups that have really tried to proselytize me have been evangelical Christians and Jehovah's Witnesses. Um, the former, which like I don't find offensive, like you know they want to practice that. I'm I am Christian, yeah. but I'm. Um, but in like, general, like, like a lot like, of the Christianity, if we think about it, and Bogbeef, maybe you'll disagree on this. I, like, I, I would say most, most. I mean, I know lots of Muslims. None of them ever really like preached to me or like. Yeah, well, I, I think they kind of see you're not interested. But I just mean, and again, I don't know if Bogby disagrees with me here, but I've always found that Christianity, going all the way back to uh, Catholicism, it's always been incepted with this pagan seed going all the way back again to like the Egyptians, ancient Greek philosophy, all of that. You can't really take a lot of this stuff that was the bedrock of Western civilization out of Christianity. It could get nutty at times. There could be like snake handling and shit like that. But in general, though, I think that Christianity in the United States incepted into itself this much more of a, 
high-level, let's build these beautiful uh, cathedrals and let's institute, you know, like human rights and things like that. Like it incepted into it a lot of things that we today consider to be high-level civilization, while unfortunately in the Middle East, they still chop people's hands off for stealing. And that I see as being a very big difference in terms of culture, not in terms of race, not in terms of anything else, but just the culture that gets passed down. So I don't know, Bogby, if you know way more about Christianity in the Deep South than I do, do you concur with what I'm saying here about civilization versus culture? How a lot of Christian beliefs do end up having that uh, level of civilization in them? You know, maybe not like certain snake handling cults and things like that, but I don't know. What do you think? Okay, well, uh, there was a... um... A British general, I can't remember if it was Churchill or some, or one of these people, but someone uh, they were asked what was the what was the greatest um, uh, what was the greatest na- uh, naval victory in, in in British history, and and they said the 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 Battle of Salamis or something like that, which was a, which was a uh, a, Gre- a, a Greek victory, you know, from like the Peloponnesian War, so, which mm-hmm. is. You know, you know, you get what he's saying there. I mean, the, 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 that that's sort of uh, been been one of these ideas. I mean, this kind of stuff. I mean, is it's very. Um, it's not that I don't agree with you, but of course, when you're debating, uh, these kinds of things are are never going to stick because they're just not. Um, uh, it's just not like an interchangeable language. Like I don't think money is the most important thing in the world. However, money is kind of like has the uh, this. It's it's interchangeable. It's, it's valuable to every single person. That, that's sort of why I started out with with the with the uh, with the money arguments, which I mean, by the way, um, go ask. Just go ask any employer. Go go ask these people who actually employ IT workers if they think that drives up wages or not. Uh, I mean, every all of these major employers know what immigration does to wages, and that's why they all support massive immigration. I mean, if you wanted to, like, uh, I don't know if you would like. First off, why H1B should not be free. I mean, we should be auctioning this off, which I think would de- would deal with uh, I don't know what you would think Armand. What 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 if instead of just first come first serve uh, these corporations get this benefit for free, which they in fact do seek out, which they in fact do this makes them money. They pay less money for, it. but if they had to in fact bid on these these H1Bs, then uh, cuz you know the examples we always get is, well, you know, high school immigrants. Well, you know, you have like Werner von Braun or uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's quite an example, Werner von Braun. <laughs> Jesus. Okay, it's my dog is uh, getting restless. Bring your dog on the screen. I want to see your dog, Armand. And by the way, everybody, make sure to smash that like button, smash that subscribe button, and we are going to be reading uh, the uh, super chat soon. Oh, there we go. Armand just Ivy. won. Armand just won the debate. No, there is no question anymore. Bach beef. Where's where's your dog? She's pixelated. Yeah, I don't have one right now. Uh, I had a, I had a Jack Russell. I need another one. Mm, that's cute. But anyway, yes. She is to- actually. Uh, uh, I guess it's fitting. My dog is a Mexican immigrant because she was a rescue from uh, the the rescue that got him got him from yeah. Tijuana. It's the biggest so, but- biggest Chihuahua I've ever seen. Another mouse. She's not a Chihuahua. Oh, <laughs> sorry, bad. You were making a joke. Never mind. I missed that. Um, the question. So each one B is like. That is actually a great example um, because if you look at the tech industry, like when you bring in H1Bs to do the jobs that like other folks do, like in the short run when those the wages in those sectors like did decline, but then those wages increase. And if you look at 
tech as a whole, like, and actually in the wages that did decrease happened to be for other like pre-existing immigrants, right? Like what you saw was like people who come in and previous or existing H-1B holders are the ones most likely to get the wages decrease when new ones come in. But all those companies over the last like few decades have grown a lot, right? Like you can't argue that like the tech sector is smaller now than it was 20 or 30 years ago and the people in tech are paid less than they were paid 20 or 30 years ago um, because all those folks made tech a lot more productive and then that industry grew and also those people spent money and a lot of it for products in the tech sector. Um, but actually I do think auctioning H1Bs would make a lot more sense. Like I think it is economically like inefficient to just do a random lottery, right? It's like whoever, um, if you're going to be doing this for an economic purpose, then like using, I think that it should be a lot, there's a lot of problems with like the H-1B visa system period because it's not even really a path to citizenship eventually. It's a, you have to either get married or shift to a different kind of visa. Um, it allows for exploitation. Like part of the reason um, that it is screwed up for both the H-1Bs and for other folks is like they do get this illegal advantage of we can push your wages down with the threat of kicking out of the country, right? Like most people, when they lose their job, they just lose their job. This gives employers a lot more power over workers because you can also get booted out of the entire country. And, and so right. I, there's a lot that could be fixed about it. I don't think the H1B system is good. I just Here, think like, yeah. Here's a crude example, which by the way, yes, it's bad. It's bad. And Americans shouldn't have to put up with it. Uh, this is something they come up with with, with um, the Hollywood director guy. But so uh, we would have these situations where a, a lot of women would sleep with this, this Hollywood producer. What, remember that guy's name? Weinstein. Weinstein. Now, why is it wrong for an actress to um, uh, give oral pleasure to a her producer? Who who is like? Remember, it's not like it's uh, I get it's rape or whatever to to her perhaps. Uh, but in, like, here's the deal: if you're if you're also applying for this job and you're not also and you're not willing to blow Harvey Weinstein, you're not going to get the job. Do you know what I'm saying? And these people like uh, being exploited is why they're here. That that's the, that's the advantage they have over the American. We they they have an, a level of employment that I can't give them. I can't give an employer that that level of of service because of our employment our employment laws. And I I live here. He can't send me back to Riyadh if I if and that's that I cannot give him that level of experience. It's just like I can't like I can't blow Harvey Weinstein. I. If let's say your theory was true that that's the only reason, then what you should support is the ability for H1Bs to stay here even if they lose their job. But I don't think you would support that. Like I, I hear well, this I mean, a lot. This is kind of really... blackmail, which is goes on in the in in this kind of thing a lot, anyways. No, I feel like I'm being blackmailed here. It's like the thing that you're saying is like, oh, the fact that like, the only reason that they're advantageous is because they're exploited, but also like you shouldn't do things to prevent them from being exploited. Like, I believe, and the evidence is, like, pretty strongly on my side, that, like, the reason they're hiring them is because there's a lot of, like, they can make a lot of money hiring people. Um, and they are the folks who have the skills to do these jobs. And particularly, once they come here and make that money, they spend that money, and it makes the economy, like, larger, right? There's more demand for good and services. It's sort of a basic thing of like, if you had a country of population of 10 million and you have a lot of kids and it's 20 million, it's going to be a, like 
know, more, a richer country, just most mathematically. None um, of the people involved in this transaction are thinking about, by the way, the this sort of wider GDP consideration, which is is that's like, fine. Like that's not the point. Like they're when you're hiring, you're just trying to hire somebody. Like what we're trying to decide is what society does. Like part of it's like expo- like setting up systems so that like, I don't know if individual on, actors do the, the what's good for society. I don't know if you've been on like sort of liberal Twitter lately the past year or two, but like one of the the, the, the tweets that sort of gets the most uh, uh controversy is this thing where they talk about well this guy is 50 years old and he's dating a woman that's 20 right mm-hmm. and 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 what we i don't know if you've seen these then what they're they're arguing yeah. is well or the the other version is um well this guy doesn't want to by the way this this goes straight exactly sorry i can go straight to this uh there is a lot of sort of feminist women that sort of talk about why are men these men will go to places like the philippines and they'll date a woman and they're they're getting and I, I, this it's the exact same thing. They will give you the, the exact same arguments. They'll tell you, well, they, these these women are exploited. They don't have enough as much power against. Uh, they don't have these the, the same rights as, as the American. That's why they do it. And it, it, it's true. And the the average American is not running uh, Cisco. The average American is not running Facebook. And it's bad for us. And just the, having more people there, it having just not <laughs> like it just is like it, it. Is it bad for you if somebody has kids and then that kid grows up and like wants to have a job? Or is there the limit amount of jobs in the universe is a set and there's only a set amount? And then if there's more people out there then there's more competition for those jobs, is that how you think the world works? It's certainly not a thousand percent elastic. I mean, just look. So uh, what happens to the money that people make? Do they just bury it in a hole? I, I, don't, I don't understand what you're saying. So when I mean, people which, by the way, money, I mean, they spend that money and that is in order to meet that demand, people hire people to meet that demand. They pay them. And then those people buy more things and make money. Like that's how the that guy works. stays. That guy stays in Mexico. That guy stays in India. That that homo that that construction worker has to hire me. I me the white guy, the citizen. I'm going to not not accept. Uh, I'm not going to accept the level of wages where I'm going to have to live ten guys to a trailer. I'm not going to uh, just work. Just send all my money back to. A place with with lower with lower. But you're expenses. the one who wants them to send their money back because you're saying that we should be like Germany and kick them out, right? Like but, I want to stay here and spend the money. That here. was the opposite. The opposite. That was I'm talking about. Uh, uh, a, a wealthy tourist comes here, spends a bunch of money, and goes home. Uh, you understand what I'm saying? That's different. right. But you're saying that they also they make money while they're here, and then they like go and invest at home. A, tour, a tourist does. I mean, you realize governments understand this. If you get on a plane, go get on a plane to Canada and just check in a bag of work tools. The Canadian government will 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 check you out. They they will send you, in fact send you back. You have to prove to them that you are not taking a Canadian's job. All these countries understand this. Norway. Uh, so okay, I work. So in, let's let's I work go back to like. Business. You think that kids who are born like will eventually take the job of somebody existing and that just like there's a fixed like, yes. where do you think jobs come from yes they they will yes uh jobs so, come from a lot of different places i mean so um we talked about before other fixed fixed variables in fact the fixed variable of people that can go to harvard in fact the the fixed amount of people that can be uh the mayor of san francisco 
and it, it, it's it's much more than this. In fact, now we have all these these these. We don't uh, not all labor is manual. You know, it's like the uh, uh, you need far less people with these these computers that we have, etc. Artificial uh, intelligence, right? But has that like as technology is, let's say back the 1910s or whatever, people were like typists. You know, they used to be at the scribe, write down everything, it's scribes and everything. And then they introduced typewriters, and people were worried that then all these scribes would lose more jobs, jobs got knocked. And up. then, and then when computers came around, they're like, oh, all these typists are going to lose their jobs. Like, and some, and many of them did. Yeah, and but the average level of employment has not massively like it's gone like up and down and varied, but like new technologies have not destroyed jobs from existence because new jobs have opened up. We have a massive like, amount of bullshit. dynamic things. We have a massive amount of bullshit jobs. We have we've uh, many all of our, our our manufacturing and things that are gone. Which, by the way, like who do you think used to do like uh, you know these construction? You like if you go to a construction site, uh, the amount of well, I'm going to say white guy, but I, I, what I mean is uh, someone who's uh, a native born American, couple generations, etc. Uh, you'll find those guys. He'll probably be. Uh, Electrician, plumber, maybe finished carpenter. That's it. That's it. Which, by the way, the uh, United, Spart United States Department of Labor has produced a report talking about this, saying that if you, the more money you'll get paid is where the less immigrants will be. I'd love to, to pull this up. I'll put it in, in the tweet or whatever, which is, by the way, obvious. Once again, going back to the lion eyes thing, uh, go buy, like, go buy, get a deck installed in Houston versus go get a deck installed in, in Maine. You're going to see a difference in. Uh, the citizenship status and who's going to build that deck. And you're going to see a difference in, in the cost of that deck, which the primary difference is going to paying those guys working those jobs, which have been taken by immigrants. And in places where like, this is like construction is a great example. Um, in places where there are more immigrants, what happens is that individual, like sort of the lower level of construction job, the immediate wages go down and the primary people, for which that goes down is people who just immigrated there. Um, but then it becomes a lot cheaper to build houses. And so there's demand for the higher skilled people like the plumber or like the electrician. Um, and then also all those immigrants need places to live, right? Housing is a great example of this of like, oh, well, if the guy comes in and he takes a construction job, like the other guy's not gonna have a construction job, but also the immigrant needs a house. And so they have to buy the house in order to spend money for that and all that fuels the you know back to building that house like ask a european under 35 this question now i know this this is going to Europe go for the last decade has had like really awful monetary policy that has kept their economy like in the ground because of germany if um, you're like 25 and you're english i mean like you are going to be uh very anti-immigrant when you go to the uk in its anti-immigrant spite did brexit which is Creators, economic growth, like it's gotten a lot poorer since. Oh Brexit. yeah, I'm sure they, they, they'll punish them. They'll they'll they will punish them. Of course, of they course punish they themselves. Will. Like everybody told them, this is what's going to happen. They're so scared of the Polish plumber, they decided to make themselves poorer for it. Uh, it, <laughs> it sounds like you're you're sort of laying out this thing where we're all just going to be dentists and attorneys one day. No, we're all like, frankly, like with AI automation, like attorneys are probably like amongst the first to go as a profession. Um, and thank God, but like, uh, I, what I'm I really saying is that I don't think that's sorry? likely. I really don't think that's likely because you you always sort of take out the any these sort of uh, 
what we'll call artificial pressures. I mean, uh, attorneys are very, very powerful politically. Uh, the national trial lawyers, these people, they, they, uh, yeah, I mean, there's, I, I was being more flippant, but like sure. in terms of actual AI automation, the thing that it's like so far the best at is taking a really complex, like writing and dense, condensing it to like simple to understand, which is essentially the job of a lawyer. But you're right. The lawyers are also powerful lobbyists They have a lot of influence. They could pass laws to prevent that. Um, but yes, broadly speaking, like the average, I mean, like when you have more immigrants, depending on the kind or type or whatever, but like those folks, I don't know, I keep coming back to this basic thing of like, if they have a job, they spend that money and then that money goes to support more demand. And so like the demand late supply effect tend to even out. Um, and then in terms of like overall economic growth, the growth happens through for like natives happens through both complementary labor and so it's not just like, oh, even the lawyers and dentists, whatever, but happens more often at the low skill level, it's like the shift supervisor is going to be the person who like has na is native or the uh, manager at Taco Bell or so on. At a high skill level, like IT is a great example of like the IT work that often is done by folks, like you said, from those companies is like maybe the lower level stuff. And so then I, I'm a data analyst at my job. Um, I do like very complicated math and statistics and so on. And part of that is enabled by the fact that like the basic act stuff that like make sure that my computer is running and my internet's hooked up, you know, functioning and I don't get viruses and all that happens in the background and I don't think about it. In a world in which there's like less people around to do that work, I would have to spend more time doing that um, and would be like less productive you know, for the company that I work for. Um, that, that's how complementary labor works. No, right? like none of this is supposed to a substitute. No, and there's also does, just like a lot of immigrants found businesses, which is lots of than that. Like immigrants are more likely to file patents. They're more likely to start businesses. Like my dad is a Harvard flooring guy, an immigrant. He has employed lots of Americans, like through a business that didn't exist before he came here and uh, built a lot of floors that you know people walk on. Yeah, uh, I mean, so this thing like. There is no real direct, I mean, so you, you, this growing economy or whatever, this, this, by the way, has no real uh, immediate effect you can draw on me or any other citizen. You, like, and well, I mean, let's just go to an example. Uh, imagine you're, you're a, a black guy. You live in the ghetto in New York City. Now, if I understand these, these large ghettos have been there for, I don't know, 40, 50 years or whatever. And uh, they, and they're there. They're, they're, their housing is free and they're just watching this city keep growing and growing, get more advanced workers and more advanced workers and, and they're getting more and more people there and they're, they're, they're building more and they're just sitting there watching. the. And this has no real uh, beneficial effect to them. These people in these huge ghettos in New York City. Th it doesn't matter how many, how many million stories these buildings grow in New York City. Th this just doesn't do anything other than make a couple people rich. Not, I mean, it's a lot of things to impact there. It's the one there isn't like a lot of free housing, even like public housing run by the government. You have to pay a certain percentage of your income, um, and it's really scarce. Like the funding for that has been cut for a long time. Like housing, even the worst parts of New York, like it's very, very expensive. Um, but also, like, yes, it, like 
a lot of them probably work for companies that were founded by immigrants or they have jobs where because they're immigrants like buying the goods and services from those companies like those jobs exist because of that or like they work in a job where they can do a slightly higher skill thing because an immigrant serves as a complement to that labor or not even like higher or lower skill just like you know i for example, let's say somebody who works like as a mechanic um, who has a specific skill set working on a certain kind of car, um, they often work with folks who work on like different kinds of cars and the auto body shop is more productive because those two could specialize. Like, um, it's not just a like question of like moving up a pyramid. It's also just a question of like when there are more hands to do the work and different kinds of work, like we can all benefit. Um, By the way, I mean, there are a lot of free- that's not. Would you admit this isn't the case today? I mean, if you was to go to New York, uh, lots of these Harlem, lots yeah. of these black people will be unemployed and immigrant Mexicans. If you go to a restaurant in New York City of any kind, there will be an immigrant Mexican that the, 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 filling out the kitchens. And I, I don't like. Well, I, don't know, I mean, the you there can are a lot of, the kitchen lot of historical. If, if the Mexicans the weren't there, but it would, it would, and other people. I mean, I think a lot of those jobs wouldn't exist. Um, but also like. There are a lot of other complicated reasons as to why African American, like in America, have have historically struggled. But I will also say that like the best thing for groups, whatever group um, and whatever race is at the bottom of the economic pyramid, is an economy that runs hot with high demand. And what we, for example, have seen in the last since like say like twenty eighteen, and then we had the pandemic dip, but then when we've recovered from it, is that the gap and earnings between like white folks and black folks has said they start to decline and particularly in like the bottom of the economic ladder um, as both of them have seen their wages increase because there's a lot of demand for it. So like trying to win this game by trying to like split off pieces of pie for different people is self-defeating when you're better off just being like, how can we ensure that like the government, like we invest a lot in the economy. We don't want to cause austerity like Germany did to a lot of Europe. Like there's macro, it's hard not to talk about this really abstractly, but like it's never been the strategy, successful strategy, like help black people in America is not like keep Mexican people out. Um, I mean, I was just using a specific example. I, from what I understand, um, uh, there is like, uh, I know that there are the, there, there are these black people in New York. That's, I just used this example because, I was a, it was an example. I wasn't specifically talking about black people, but I mean, just in specifically, uh, more Americans would have those jobs, and those jobs would pay more to those Americans, which is well, what I would care about. If there were if you, those immigrants weren't in New York City, it's just a fact. It's I mean, a fact. I know. We're, I feel like we're not getting it because I'm just sort of restating what I'm stating. Well, hold on. Let's do, let's do a little role play here, Armand. Imagine that you were a business owner, and let's say Mexico did not exist uh who would you hire at that point to work because obviously there would be people who would be out of a job so there would be people to hire right so what i would i would <laughs> likely have well so, so i would hire whoever's available but i also would have Thanks, less ability to hire people because i'm making less money because less people are spending money at my restaurant and so like the marginal like dollar the marginal dollar for the marginal hires is lower right like at the end of the day what every business does is they spend more um up to the point where the extra spending makes them more money um 
And in a world in which like suddenly the entire Latino population of America has disappeared, like I <laughs> would have a lot less ability to hire like people. Some... Like, cause there's a lot less people to, who are going to my restaurant and a lot less people who are, um, is it theoretically know, possible that, that labor, that the, the cost of labor would go up? Um, the cost of labor would for that specific, I, I don't know. I think, the just, cost of just, labor give overall, me, uh, just give me a crumb. Maybe in that specific restaurant. Thank but you. I think Thank for you. wages as a whole, no. Um, and I also think like, yeah, I would, that restaurant would be hiring less people in general. I mean, Amran, there is also a thing that I forgot that we should definitely mention. I think bog beef, this is kind of your world too. Not that I said you're on drugs, but in general, like a lot of the more southern Rust Belt areas, they have a lot of problem with uh, the oxycotton abuse and all that. So from what I understand, like there are a lot of these white dudes who are unemployed who are taking oxys, as well as there being a lot of uh, young dudes who are just playing video games all day. So that to me says like something is wrong here, right? Like these people yeah. are available and they're not being hired. They believe that immigrants took their jobs. Now, every study, sorry, I had to every the study thing. that they're ever going to churn out, every expert is going to disagree with them. Now, I, I would just, this is why I start out with talking about the 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 replication crisis. I have real problems with that, but I, I guess we'll just keep going. Maybe perhaps uh, Japan can exist as, as a as a counterexample. But uh, yes, I mean, if you if you Construction is such a class example because uh, if anyone's sort of known people, construction is one of the only jobs where you can drink on the job. I'm not a drunk. I don't drink every day, but there's a, there's like, and, and get high. My father, back when he was working in uh, the uh, interior construction there, like he was also part of a union. He was working with these uh, dudes who were constantly getting high and they Bingo. were constantly getting their Like they're like this Mexican dude got a uh, nail stuck in his hand because he uh, nailed it the wrong way, you know, but here's the other funny thing though. I mean, I know, I don't know what your stance on unions is, but back then there was this emphasis on making sure that when the supervisor came in to pretend to work. So a lot of the times they weren't really doing anything. They were just, uh, you know, just sitting around shooting the shit or getting high. Not my dad. He never smoked. He never drank, but whatever. The point is, is that that's also kind of like a, a weird situation when it comes to unions. Like if there is no incentive to do something at a higher level, why would you do something at a higher level? I mean, I know that kind of goes into unions and not what we're talking about, but I think that they're related too. Well, by the way, I mean, the citizenship just is the union for most Americans. That's it's just it is. And this is why these there's the hack with sort of uh, plumbers were. But yes, uh, the the joint examples. So I had sort of a, a brief uh, s job where I'm just sort of picking up garbage in a construction site, and um, you know, my buddy's dad was sort of the, the the contractor, and I'm sort of well, these guys are drinking. It's 10 a.m. These guys are, are are smoking a joint. It's 10 a.m. I was asking, like, why, why do you tolerate that? And the guy said, well, it's just in, in construction, it's just what we do. It's just an accepted part of this. Now, and what you what you find out is these people, uh, generally these people don't have these jobs. Anymore. Now they're just sort of uh, the, the, the criminals, the, uh, the, the underclass. At, at one point, they were able to be a constructive part of society. The 10 to 15% of the population that uh, has, that for some reason, I don't know why, they have to have a tall boy at 10 a.m. These people were construction workers. They're not anymore. By the way, there's no there's no exchange program. We didn't send them to India in exchange for these these super great uh, IT workers or whatever. They're just here. 
And instead, they're just not integrate not integrating the in, into the country. And I yeah. don't know. People like talk about this stuff, like with anecdotes and examples. But if you look at like this thing called employment population ratio, prime age employment population ratio, right? So if you look at everybody between 25 and 54 and just say like, well, how many of them have a job? Um, that number right now sits at 80.5%, which is the highest, um, basically the last time we were close to this peak was in 2001 at 81.3. And then um, before then, basically, for a lot of it, they changed since the 1950s because like a lot of women started working, obviously. Um, but like, there's not like this idea that a bunch of immigrants came in and then like equally aged like men who were natives like got kicked out of the workforce isn't reflected anywhere in that like jobs they have like the percentage of people working. So I don't know what that is based on. And I, most I of don't them know. Every every study always comes with the same thing. And so you know I, I, that I cannot change. I knew that going into this. We, we've we've always seen this. Every study says more immigration. This is not even a study. This is like a very simple thing of just like there's this many people of this age and how many of them have a job? Like, okay. Do you want me to bring up wages again? Cause I mean that, well, that's like, we've been debating wages a lot, but like, let's just look at, and I don't think we're going to get anywhere, but like this idea that like tons of them are out of work that wouldn't have been out of work otherwise. Like, but like, if you look at people between 25 and 54, how many of them have a job or not? It's a historically very high number. Um, Basically, like, yeah, the last time it was higher was 2001. Um, and then it was lower than that, basically all going all the way back to, like, the 1950s. And uh, see, that changed all gender um, and women into the workforce. But, um, yeah, I don't know. This idea that, like, there's tons of people who got lost their job who would have been in construction and aren't, like, how do like, every construction job is like really trying to hire people right now. It's very, it's tipped down since the Fed started ra raising rates um, and housing construction in particular last like 30 years since the seventies has declined steadily because we introduced a bunch of zoning laws that made it illegal to build multifamily housing a lot of the United States. Like the amount of houses we construct has significantly gone down. That's part of the artificial restrictions. Um, but that actually points to me to like, I think people are trying to look at immigrants because it's the easiest, simplest thing to point your finger at and be like, it's this guy when there's actually like powerful interests that are keeping us fighting each other, right? Like, oh, Whoa. speaking of powerful interests, those powerful oh, interests, no. just know here, he's he's back in. You all right? Everything's all right. They tried to shut you I down, but they were they were unsuccessful. But anyway, Sorry, yeah, my... no problem. No worries. So, okay. uh, um, yeah. I do you need to, it's like almost getting Oh, four. you guys got, okay, wait, 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 before you guys go, there are the super chats that have been sneeded, and I have to uh, sneed those super chats back uh, for everybody here. But before that, Bog Beef, any final comments on what was talked about? Yes. Um, I mean, job is in quotes. Look up, look up what a roofer makes in the South, in the South. I mean, I, I would welcome anyone to look up what a roofer makes in the South. And many of us, our parents, grandparents, had these jobs as say, uh, I'll say a framer. I don't, I don't mean roofer. Roofer's always been a, a gross job. But let's say a framer or a carpenter, these kinds of things. They pay like, I mean, like Burger King wages. I mean, and the, these things are dangerous, difficult jobs. 
And they don't, I mean, by the way, they just, they simply don't in the places where there, there's no immigrants, but we won't stay on that. I'll just say that job just doesn't mean the same thing as, as it used to do. And especially in these jobs that are threatened by immigrants. Uh, the easiest to see is construction because it just is, but it's many, many, many more. And I've always had basically had less sympathy for uh, the professional middle class, but I, I mean, it's, it's clearly obvious coming up on them too. Uh, oh, no. Now, now Armand is gone. Is it the same reason? I'm not seeing him on the thing. So I don't know why he disappeared all so suddenly. Hopefully he's going to be back. But while we're figuring that out, everybody, sneed those. Well, not sneed those Super Chats anymore because we're almost done. But be sure to smash that like button, smash that subscribe button, right, Bog Beef? And where could they find you, by the way? Where could they find the great Bog Beef? Patreon.com slash goodoldboys, G-O-D-O-L-B-O-Y-Z. Excellent. And Armad is coming back online. See, this is a uh, two-for-one situation, but it says device not connected. So be sure to smash that subscribe button, smash that bell, and also patreon.com slash break the rules. Speaking of Patreon, become a patron today. Something weird's going on with Armand's webcam. But Armand, can you hear us, brother? Are you coming through? Okay, while Armand is coming through, let me read the Super Chats real quick. So here we go. And by the way, the two people here in the Super Chats, both of them are like 4chan memes, 4chan poll memes. So the first one here is Glow in the Dark, $5. Would America be American without Americans? Would Poland be Polish if you replace the Poles with Russians? Bogbeef, I guess that's for you since Samaran's not here right now. Well, it, it isn't. And that, that's sort of what I was getting at with, um, you know, we talked about all the, the, the causes and effect of the difference, but it just keeps going back to why do you want to introduce this difference? Why, you know, why do you want, what, what does Ireland gain by having the Catholic and the Protestant there? I mean, they're there now. It's a bad situation. They're going to kill each other forever. They're going to hate each other's guts forever. But uh, you're, it's just foolish to think that the situation is, is, is improved by this, in fact, improved by bringing more. You know, that's what they're doing, by the way. But is it not correct to say, for example, that, uh, and I don't think that the Founding Fathers intended specifically what's going on right now, but would it be fair to say that the Founding Fathers, like I said in the beginning, were not big fans of factionalism, did not approve of factions, and wanted to create, I guess, you know, they were all into Freemasonry and stuff. They wanted to create an alchemic experiment wherein the people that were living in the United States would be able to go beyond factions and look towards a much more, let's say, wholesome goal, you know, a much more holistic goal when it comes to let's treat everybody, you know, if they bring the same quality that we bring to the table, let's treat everybody, you know, in a good way. And just have this kind of uh, civic nationalism, meritocracy, whatever you want to say it. That's at least the social contract. Would you disagree that if that were to be put into practice, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world? Uh, Woodrow Wilson said that <clears throat> any man who carries a hyphen about with him carries a dagger that he is ready to plunge in the vitals of the republic whenever he gets ready. And, you know, he's, he's talking about Italian-American, Mexican-American. That, that's the hyphen there. And this, this isn't new. These people have known that for a long time because, you know, once again, it's just the, the difference is, is not automatic. You don't have to do that. And they didn't do that. They would, they would bring people here, but you would have to, uh, it's, it's clearly what would be defined as racism today, but they would definitely, they would, uh, 
assimilates you, and it wasn't it wasn't just a. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't understand. Why is it racism? And I know you're not the person who is saying that it is, but why to them is it racism if what you're basically saying is like, hey, all these people from these different races, you all have the potential to be like this, you know, the top of the golden pyramid or whatever if you reach for that. Why is that racist? Isn't that the opposite? Isn't that just saying that, like, we all have, like, this infinite potential from God to aspire to this greatness? Like, what's wrong with that? Well, I think it became so because... Uh essentially the, the, this sort of factionalism is powerful in politics. Uh, and so it, it's, it, that's, that's why, that's why it was protected. But Armand is back, everybody. Hey, Armand. Hey, I'm on my phone because my home internet just crapped on Tarly. So I look like a hostage video. Oh Sorry. boy. Hey, no, hey no real problem. quick. I'm not going to be able to, to, to convince you of this, but if you're this type of mm -hmm. person, you're in these type of places, I would love to convince you that, uh, American new automobiles are too expensive. What do you think about this? Um, sure. It's a little complicated because I also think I'm a urbanist. So I think I'll like it would be good if more people use public transportation, but okay. I don't think we do. I don't think we do that by driving up the price of cars. Like people in, the, or in America, you still in most places really need to rely on a car. You can't get by without a car. So I think it would be better if if the cost of cars were lower. Have you been to like the yeah. third? Have you been to the third world anywhere? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Okay, so like, you know, if you go to, it depends on the different place, but if you go to like, say, Peru, everybody there is like, hey, we'll just drive Volkswagen bugs. We'll all drive bugs. That way we can sort of afford it at our third world salaries and we'll all know how to fix it, etc. Uh, oh, by the way, Armand, please shut off your thing when you're talking because there's an echo going on from your end because you're not wearing headphones. Oh, That's the only okay. thing. Sorry, I mean. No, no problem at all. But, uh, well, Armand, uh, Bogby stopped speaking. So, yeah, Armand, let, let us know what you think about that. And how many minutes well, do we have? You, I don't think you finished this point. So okay. 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 They, these classic designs basically don't have a yeah. ton of safety features. America, the Democrats are enforcing tons and tons of mandatory safety features on these vehicles, which are flat out making them too expensive for, for, for most Americans. These cars are like 50 grand. Nobody can afford them. And uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't the. The guys like you some, sometimes are swayed by things, uh, these sort of arguments about things being expensive, and I think this is really important. I just think you should think about that. I don't like being characterized as guys like you because, like, I like you keep doing this thing where you're like, oh, I can't sway you for immigration stuff because you're just, I don't know, the implication is I'm some kind of fanatic, but like, that's my not, eyes show you, me you realize in this case, on. I didn't mean it in a bad way, you know, okay. Um, I think there's always trade-offs with any regulation. Like an example, like I'm involved in housing, um, in housing politics, and I think we have in the United States this thing called like um, you're required to have two stairs for most apartments in the United States as a means of egress. Um, even though most of Europe, most of Asia, up into a certain amount of stories, you're allowed to have just one. Um, in terms of fire safety, it actually doesn't make it more fire safe. Um, they're using like better materials or sprinklers tends to be better, but we, just, we have rules that require that out of some notion of fire safety. Um, and so in practice, this idea that it's supposed to make us safer, not only makes us less safe, it drives up the price of housing and makes it more expensive to build because you have to use a lot more space on like corridors. This is why like, and it just makes it look worse too, just like if you look at old, like in Seattle, you can do up to six stories with like a single stairwell. And those homes look better, they're safer, tend to be like cheaper to build. So that's a good example where like the trade-off of the regulation, it's like a nice idea. 
Um, but in practice, and supporting people more, makes things more expensive, not making folks safer. So I would have to, you know, it's always context-based, but I'm sure there are like automotive safety regulations that are certain ones are born out of more just like the sense of like, maybe it'll make us safer, but actually it drives up costs and doesn't help versus there are things that I think we should do. For example, like they have those cars right now that have like um, really, really, really high um, frontage and kids are getting run over because people can't see them in front. Like, I think that should be regulated more. Like it's pretty awful that like little kids are getting run over, but yeah, well, I mean, yeah. you know why these cars have turned to look like this? If you if you look at the A pillar, the sort of thing in between the side window and the the mm -hmm. front window, um, Armand, you it, gotta that pillar is enormous. Oh. That pillar is enormous now, and you can't see through it. It's it, there are there have been a lot of accidents from people uh, pedestrians run over because that those pillars are enormous. If you look at a car from the seventies, it's a toothpick because there's there's no airbag there, and um, uh, which also by the way drives up the price of the cars. But yeah, I understand. Uh, you're that thing you're talking about. I mean, that's funny. That's kind of an internal thing to the left. I think you're talking about like the Yimbies and the, the Nimbies. I lived in Austin. Yeah. I would I would listen on the radio to the um, uh, the city council meetings, and every city council meeting is exactly the same. We want to build this new apartment building, and then there's a long line of people saying that you can't build it. There's a historical uh, record player shop there, or something like that. And um, these the liberals, uh, they're all these people are super liberal, but. They did not like anything being built. Um, I realize actually I've saying it before. I really have to run, but a great conversation for everybody. Armand, thank you, thank you uh, so much. I I would love where, where could people find you? Uh, Twitter at Armand Doma. All right, please go I, there. I mean, sincerely, it was a lot of fun. Like, I appreciate it. I always have a great time. So I always love you having you here on Break the Rules, Armand. And I would love to have you be back maybe for a Yimby versus Nimby stream. That would be fun. Sure. That'd be fun. All right. All I'll right. See you. Yeah. All right, take care, brother. All right, so we're going to be uh, finishing off the super chats. How are you doing on time, Bach Beef? I got, I got some. I got, I got ten minutes. All right, here we go. We are going to finish off with the uh, super chats, everybody. And again, don't forget to subscribe, like Patreon.com/slash/BreakTheRules. Become a patron today. So here we go. Uh, we have um, another glow, glow in the dark here. Five dollars. I don't believe your statistics. They sound manipulated. So, Bog Beef, there's a lot of statistics out there. You know that old quote about uh, lies, damn lies, and statistics. Uh, what say you about the validity of a lot of the statistics out there? And if they are fudged, then how? So, I would always tell people to, uh, it's kind of like with the civil rights thing. I mean, when you, when you, I always bring up civil rights, but so people are like, wait a minute, I thought the civil rights seems cool. And I always just say disparate impact. Just, just look up disparate impact. This will help you. So, uh, with these, these studies, these, these things like this, and this goes to every every youtube debate have you ever seen a vosh debate or something he's got the studies all the studies say one thing all these all of these these social science studies say one thing i would just tell people look up you look at wikipedia from their own sources from their own people replication crisis the replication crisis replication crisis is in the 2010s people started looking at these these sort of the studies the studies the studies that say this the studies say this that essentially all this stuff is fake it's all it's all fake that essentially uh things any of these things that sort of have like these broad-based uh, uh, answers, these things that sort of use the, the the public as a as a sample size, like well, the American gets richer if X or Y. Well, th this stuff it has nothing to do with science. They 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 pitch on, they say they're social science, whatever. It it has nothing to do with these these actual things. That's like the the 
uh, the heating temperature or or what happens when you alloy copper with bronze. It just there, there actually is real science. Uh, this stuff is fake. It's a huge problem, and they don't let on because they don't want to lose all this funding. The reason why they call themselves scientists, the reason why they've ticked out, tacked on all this stuff is instead of calling themselves philosophers or something, is for funding because people like science. People like things that are sure. Wow, you've got some some real hardcore answers here. You've got some real proof, and that just doesn't exist anymore. I'm telling you, look up replication crisis. You'll be shocked. You'll be shocked. All right, and the rest of the Super Chats here are from who is uh, currently the king of the Super Chats, the total of $60, but the first one was from $10, and the name is another 4chan meme. Early life check. I wonder if early life check knows that I am of a uh, certain ancestry that he may not approve of. But that aside, he says, as a recovering libertarian, I cringe knowing I used to believe in the Jewish propaganda, diversity as our strength and open borders, Kalergi plan in full effect. Now, with the Kalergi plan, that's an interesting rabbit hole to go down to. I don't think we're going to have time right now. But when it comes to this, uh, you know, attribution of certain people from my ancestry to the whole diversity thing i would say that from my own family and from the people who i know who are you know just like middle class americans came here from uh, russia as immigrants but strived as much as possible to emulate that top of the golden pyramid that i talk about and not the fucking all-seeing eye masonic period for you shizos out there but anyway the point is that when it comes to living in a certain place we want to, by we, I mean, you know, me, my family, and our extended family, want to live in a place where it's going to be safe, where you're not going to have these crazy fucks knocking you over the head uh, for no reason, where the schools are good, where when the kids are raised, they're raised in such a way that they don't get beat up and, you know, don't just have, like, this intergenerational trauma they express by beating other kids up. So when it comes to who we want to associate with, it will be people who live up to the same civilizational standards. And I think that goes for a lot of people except for, and unfortunately this is the case, whenever you're going to have people who are very smart, you're also going to have a good portion of them becoming whatever jobs in the media, academia, whatever, that unfortunately today leans very heavily into the left. So that is why you're going to see a overrepresentation when it comes to a lot of those leftist uh, politics and ideas about the open borders and bullshit like that. And another interesting thing is that a lot of those same uh, Jewish professors, they're not big fans of Israel. Like they were super pro-Palestine, always talking about Palestinian liberation. So I'm not going to square that category of people into the ones that early life check has in mind there but that's just like my whole i almost feel like for a lot of these fucking streams i keep saying the same shit because it keeps coming over and over again but i think it's worth it anyway uh early life check another one for twenty dollars uh study after study has demonstrated humans prefer sticking to their own racial and group in fact all the races whites show the lowest in group bias blacks yellows brown all have highest in group racial preferences okay i personally think that this is a civilizational thing i don't know bog beef what you think but when it comes to cultures cultures are going to stick to themselves but i think the more you become a civilization the more you make a lot more room in your heart for people who are as civilized as you are regardless of the color of their skin and again i know that's like an ideal and reality doesn't always match that ideal but that's at least what i'm going to try to strive to any comments okay so it matters if the the numbers matter it's by the way early life check of me uh 
<laughs> you know, I did I did the uh that that test. I got point four point zero point four percent Ashkenazi. Welcome to the club. Thank you. Uh, uh, Lahayim. In fact, it's Passover right now. I should invite <laughs> you over and we're gonna have uh, the uh the bitter roots and the uh, uh whatever the the crackers. Anyway, go uh, on. What was what, what call that uh matzah. Matzah. That's the the wine. Um yeah. Ma- What's the the wine? Um, uh, Manischewitz. Manischewitz. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Point four percent. That's just the Florida thing. Um, but yeah. Uh, so this is just a matter of number. It just it matters how much. So you can go look at. Um, which, by the way, uh, there was a there was a Jewish general in the Confederacy. There was an Irish guy. There. The thing is, it's like so. I I worked at a job once where we had this. There was a guy at my job. Uh, big black guy that owned owned a club in the hood, in the real hood, in the hood hood, a place that's real sketchy. And I uh, said, "Come by," and I was like, "Okay." And like, and, and the thing is, um, I said, "Oh, it's not gonna be a problem." He said, "No, it'll be fine." He says, "Just don't, just don't bring, just don't bring a bunch of white guys." And you know, it, it wasn't until later I sort of figured out. Like, and the thing is, if you're just you're the one white guy. It's not really an issue. It, like, well, hey, look up. There's a white guy here. Or you, you, you could use this for being in China. You could, you go to China. You see one. They see one white guy. Oh, well, that, that's weird. It's a white guy. It looks funny. You see, you see 15 white guys. We got something going on here. This, this is a different situation. You could see this in like even in the, in the old days, the old black and white photos. There would be uh, in my hometown. There was a guy at my dad's work. There was uh, it was all just regular sort of English. Descendant white guys. There was one guy that was Italian as in. They called him Guido, which you know, that was his nickname. But and like the thing is, he just becomes all that stuff is gone when it's just a little bit. When it's just a little bit. Once you have a certain amount, uh, if you then that stuff gets gets a lot harder. But or it gets more randomly distributed. Sure, but what's what we're really go what we're really talking about here, I think, is when we have a lot of people who come from the same place, there's going to be a lot more mimetic effect when it comes to certain things that they have in common as opposed to you based on the way that they grew up, based on their family values. You notice, like, Japanese people, when they're speaking with you, like, they speak one way, and then all of a sudden when they're in a group of Japanese people, you know, they start bowing, you know, hi, 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 all that. So, I don't know, like, when it comes to Singapore, for instance, they have Indian people there, they have Chinese people there, yet they act, I'd say, in a much more singaporean way in the way that it was like created by lee kuan yu or whatever so i believe that people have the potential to transform given time into all kinds of things for better or worse look at north korea versus south korea i mean some people would argue they they call north korea best korea for a reason but whatever crazy fucks what i'm gonna say though is that when it comes to there being a lot of people who share their particular culture of course, that culture is going to be the primary uh, focus uh, for those people at that time. And like I said before, the goal is to try to transmute culture into civilization. To me, what that ultimately means is the entire universe knowing itself, but that's like super esoteric and I'm going to save it for another time. Anyway, uh, early life check. Another $20. Man, I wonder if he regrets sending this money now knowing who I am. But anyway... Um, whole point of mass immigration is to create a serf class and to prevent organization. Amazon studied how to prevent unionization and found by splitting people into subgroups, it fostered distrust among workers and stopped unions. The only thing I would say about unions is 
my dad even it was construction but he was like an interior woodworking or whatever the hell you would call that and he and the other people there they were bust into voting for a obviously a democratic candidate that was something that the unions did so i think that the unions also deserve their fair share of blame for weaponizing uh, people into certain ends but i don't know any any final thoughts about the unions and then last one from early life check for ten dollars and then we're gonna go uh, I would just say, I mean, so Singapore doesn't have any issues because they have they have like an authoritarian situation. And I know that a lot of people talk about how peaceful it is there now. Yeah. But uh and I'm not I'm not I'm not saying he's a bad this I'm not saying he's a bad guy. I'm saying he sort of uh did he did what he had to do and he had to do a lot more in Singapore, Lee Kuan Yu. Lee Kuan Yu would would turn off the power turn off the electricity and water to people who didn't vote for him. Uh, there was lots of there was lots of rough stuff there. That, and I'm sure, it, it and it like it, it required that force to 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 make make those things make those things. Well, just like you could say, Sharia law, you know, makes people who otherwise would steal not steal because they don't want their hands chopped off. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. I mean, so no, uh, but but the difference is that I still believe that the people in that situation, given a different environment and given maybe like five generations or however many generations, they would be able to get to the same level that you are in or I am in or whatever. Like I'm not going to discriminate based on certain, you know, blood ideas of, oh, you're destined to only act this certain way unless you have like a dictator, you know, barking orders at you. I believe that we're all flexible and I believe these things, they just take time. The issue I would say is that I don't know if we have time. I don't know if there's enough time and enough resources out there to get everybody to this, uh, you know, same civilizational standard, which is why I think we're having a lot of bumps in the road right now. I think, I think New York city, I think California could use a Lee Kuan Yew. <laughs> oh man. It's so seductive. But like I spoke to Moldbug, it's so dangerous too. Cause then you end up with a guy who has all these ass kissers around him telling him exactly what he wants to hear. And you can get very unlucky there and you could get somebody that just like gets all the power to his head and starts doing a lot of insane shit for which there's not going to be any uh, way to strike back. That's been my number one issue with dictatorships. But uh, yeah, th it is what it is. Uh, well, you saw who Chicago just elected. I know. Look, dude, you think there's a certain you, you, you enough, know what I'm going to say about that this. happens enough times they're going to need uh, a rough guy. Well, if that happens, then I hope it happens quickly, and then it stops happening as quickly as it happened. That's the only thing that I would say about fucking Chicago right now, because yes, Chicago is a mess. I'm, I'm going to agree there. New York's not doing that great either, but be extremely careful with how you do this, because if we're talking about a dictator, it's bad news. I would rather it be through elections, and I would rather it be through a horizontal elite that would be able to exert a good amount of influence on everybody else through propaganda or whatever to get everybody to a higher standard. I want to avoid any kind of dictator bullshit because it's always going to end up in... Uh, I mean, was there any... I mean, sure, you could say fucking Lee Kuan Yew, but as far as like having like a totalitarian dictator system, we don't know what ends up happening, you know, five years, ten years from the time they get elected. I mean, look at fucking Putin right now. He's not the same dude who came into power in Russia. Uh, but anyway, that's a whole other. That's going to be the Ukraine discussion for next week. Well, with, I'm uh, surprised Chris. that I'm surprised that you said Yarvin thought that. I mean, uh, so I am pro dictator, pro monarchy. I think I know, one, I, know. I think one leader. But I'm surprised, of course, that. But I'm surprised that Yarvin was 
was, was, was uh, I thought Yarvin was as well. I don't know. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. Maybe you misunderstood what I said. Okay. Yarvin, no, no, Yarvin was in favor of the dictatorship, but I was against the dictatorship for those reasons that I stated. It may look good in the moment, but then eventually the years go on and there's a lot of ass kissing that goes on. And what you have is somebody who ends up smelling their own farts, liking the way they smell and wanting to do everything that the ass kissers tell them to do, which involves going after whoever ends up being the problematic people, who ends up being the people that criticize whatever bullshit the dictator may cook up. All I'm saying is that I want there to be a separation of powers to avoid something like that from sprouting. I don't think that's an unreasonable position. My hope is that you could kind of see the dark areas where having a dictator will end up leading, despite however nice it may look in the beginning. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, 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 I mean there's certainly structural, structural flaws to the dictatorship. I mean, obviously, that you have like uh, Rome. You Rome had a situation where you had the uh, Praetorian Guard took over, which I mean, would uh, obviously I don't know, of course. But that's that's a discussion for another day. But yes, yeah, we're definitely gonna have this discussion again, though. I I always enjoy these. Anyway, uh, early life check ten dollars. Uh, okay, we did this one. Oh, we didn't. Mass immigration is good because they provide labor, cheap labor, and spend money to inflate the GDP. Plays into the here another for, the Goislop 4chan meme. Uh, plays into the Goislop <laughs> capitalism <laughs> consumer via debt based system. Again, you. I'm not saying you guys because I'm not singling you out here, but there is definitely a lot of the anti-Semitism on 4chan, which I think is not necessarily needed. Like, they'd be surprised how many Jewish people actually agree with so much of the cultural criticisms that they have and are completely against a lot of this uh, stuff when it comes to, you know, the cheap made uh, products that are bad for people's health and things like that. But anyway, you guys already know my position there. Uh, what do you think, Bog Beef? Any final things on that? You mean, you mean like Ron Unz or or Mitchell Smallbug? They're one of the good ones. Or, you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm just I'm just kidding. Um, okay, uh, yeah. so uh, I mean I I don't know. I mean I I don't do the food supply stuff a lot. I mean I know there's people that, that do. Obviously, there's something wrong with food supply. Everybody's fat. They didn't used to be. Um, uh, I, I, that's 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 sort of, the sort of larger question. I, I'm not sure what to say about that. I just, uh, I don't know. I was wondering about Japan and stuff. Um, I don't think they've gotten fat yet, but they still have a lot of social shaming and stuff. If you're fat, people will just call you fat, etc. Yeah, I don't know how to explain Japan other than I think what may have happened, like the reason why it's like such a super advanced country that has like this combination of the past and the future kind of well integrated but they have obviously their problems so like with suicides and stuff like that but i think one of the reasons was if you have like this tiny place where there's not a lot of natural resources you are going to have to fucking dig in and you're gonna have to figure something out or you die and i think that from that pressure comes a lot of success very similar, I might add, to how Jews were always pressured against, how they were always excluded, and I think that kind of pressure kind of, you know, made them uh, much smarter than they otherwise would be. But anyway, uh, that's just a, uh, I mean, come on, look at all the Jewish chess champions out there. That is not nepotism. That is pure, uh, right here. Anyway, <laughs> uh, no, no, we have to, we have to call a spade a spade. And by well, that, I, and by I've that, heard I this mean, yeah, for lawyer, having a lawyery religion, you know. Having a religion where you can you can get out of stuff by finding loopholes and stuff. 
Well, I would consider it to be less of the Jewish uh, stereotype with the lawyers and consider it to be a lot more like Odysseus from the Odyssey. You know, Odysseus figured out, hey, why don't we, like, trick these people by making this horse and climbing in it? That's ingenuity. That's being able to think ahead. That's, very, that's a very Promethean quality, I might add, to be able to figure certain things out ahead of time. And in a way, I see it like a superpower. And the question is, do you use superpowers for good or for evil? And I think that the incentives that we have in society are going to cause whoever is going to be on top to usually err on the side of doing things that are selfish. So if it's going to be people who are going to be of a certain ethnicity, uh, you know, come from a certain culture, whatever, they're going to be the ones that are going to get blamed because a lot of them happen to be smart enough to, get, to have gotten on top in the first place. But all that I am striving to get to these 4chan fuckers out there, and I love all of you who are listening, is to make some room in your heart for the idea that there is a lot more Jewish people out there who are actually in favor of having a high-trust society where people are not going to get beat up in the fucking streets. But anyway, I've talked too much about this on BTR. I thought this would be the last time I do. Apparently not. Andre, two euros. This is the final super chat, and then we're going to go. This is that assimilation pressure. Yes, it is. Everyone, <laughs> listen. Everyone, listen to the Good Old Boys podcast. Hey, there we go. There's a plug. There's a plug for you over here. Nice. Thank you. Yes, everybody, subscribe to Bog Beef. Looking forward to having you back. And listen, everybody, if you have not subscribed to BTR right now, why don't you do that? And I'm sure that you have a lot of the Patreon listeners who are here right now. So for all the Patreon people, be sure to quickly go to patreon.com slash break the rules become a patron today here is the link in the chat it's right here go in there you'll enjoy it we're gonna have mp3s of the episodes after they come out to the patrons and you're going to have special discord privileges speaking of which here is the link to discord so be sure to become a discord subscriber as well you could find break the rules on bitshoot odyssey uh what's the one the green the green one what is that called Oh, I don't know. Uh, damn it. You know what I'm talking about. We're everywhere. We're on Twitch. Uh, we're on, uh, I don't know, we're not on DLive anymore, but we are on Spotify and Apple. So for the MP3 listeners, you could listen to Break the Rules there. Curtis Yarvin, coming back next week, baby. That's going to be, what, his like, fourth appearance now? Holy shit. Oh, damn. He's becoming a regular. Can you believe that? So anyway, guys. I, I love you. I love Curtis Yarvin. He's, he, he's a fun dude. Anyway, guys, thank you so much for watching. Have you so much for watching? 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 Have you so much for watching?